Does everybody know what time it is? It's time to record my podcast with that pompous ass Landon. I better call him and start the show. Oh no, are we already talking? Oh no! It's grunt work. Shit, but video tricks. <laughs> Flicks of the family politic. Prost got the fuck out after the video's done, and he oversees Jill's thesis that she's worked a ton. I used to know a snitch named Mark Taylor. He used to film around and could have been a blackmailer. <laughs> Better than a motherfucker with the handycam. He was balling out on the motherfucking airwaves of grunt work the only podcast about the tv show home improvement that goes bick or goes bald <laughs> i'm landon come over here big fella get it come, come over here big it's fella good. solano i love that joined always by my co-host truman it's not a toupe caps <laughs> i love it truman i i <laughs> Uh, I have reason for being very sloppy at the beginning of this episode, <laughs> but it, it, it's good to see you. Uh, Landon, it's good to see you too, and I don't care I don't care how sloppy you are, I'm just always happy to be uh, hanging out and talking about probably my uh, 12th favorite sitcom uh, with you today. <laughs> 12th, so, wow, I, I'm not sure it didn't rank in my top 20. I mean, I don't know. I, I just said that because I realized I don't know how many sitcoms I can really name. And also, there's a lot of episodes of this show I really like. So it, it does it does That's rank true. above something like, uh, I don't know, Two and a Half Men or The Big Bang yeah. Theory or uh, um, I don't know. I actually can't think of any other sitcoms that exist. So we're already <laughs> off to a great start. Landon. Perfect. Yeah. Talk to me about your porch. Oh, okay. We're just going to launch right into Home Improvement Corner here. We, we can um, fuck around, but I know you want to talk about it. I've been watching the progress on Instagram. I hope all of you at home have been. <laughs> Those of you that have Instagram that follow us. Uh, wow. Okay, Truman. Um, part, of reason, part of the reason why I'm sloppy this morning is because, A, uh, I, I've taken this week off of work. Um, we are recording many hours earlier than normal. Yeah. Uh, this morning before recording, I was actually doing work on the the porch and the steps. <sighs> I, I was doing home improvement before talking about home improvement, and I feel grunty today. Oh my god! Get ready for our best episode ever, everybody. Hopes sky high. <laughs> so what, what were uh, you? Yeah, yeah, tell me about that. Tell me about what you were doing. Well, okay. Uh, so if you've been following the progress, the there's a there's a, a slight landing that comes out my my back door and then there's three steps going to the sidewalk. Uh, I have to replace all of those, not the foundation underneath them, just the the planks. Sure. The planks on the landing were the easy part, although I did totally burn out my my electric drill. <laughs> what? Uh, there's there's a uh, there's an old axiom I've heard, which is the right tool for the right job, and. Mm. Uh, I, apparently I wasn't using the right drill for this particular job. The drill mm -hmm. I had is more for, you know, simple drywall stuff or, uh, you know, uh, little things around the house, not for drilling from, <laughs> drilling through one and a half inch wood into 
you know, uh, another wood foundation beneath a, a, you know, three inch screw, um, trying to connect those two pieces together. So, okay. Okay. The, the, the notion of having to own more than one power drill as a person who owns no power drills is (laughs) just so upsetting to me. (laughs) Yeah. So yesterday I ended up giving myself a headache by inhaling, um, electrical smoke, uh, as my, my drill was just kind of giving up. You're you're doing it. You're you're becoming Tim. You kind of injured yourself by using the wrong tool for a job. I, I am happy to report I have not injured myself once while doing these stairs. Uh, one of the big things I did on Instagram was go through a whole safety setup. He uh, did. You know, I had I had my knee pads because my knees are old at this point. Make sure I'm wearing my eye protection. Uh, mm-hmm. I was when I was cutting the wood. Uh, I had my my. N95 mask on, uh, so I wouldn't be inhaling any of the wood chips or the smoke coming from it. Yeah, um, I had my my little spiffy hat that you hate uh, yeah. on my head, protecting <laughs> I liked me from it. the sun. I liked it more when I saw you wearing it. It's it's uh, it, it, devoid of context, just in a Google ad that you sent me. It seems kind of off putting with you wearing it. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay, it's part of it Landon protected- now. Yeah, it protected my neck uh, while I was out there on the porch um, doing and, and- doing some stuff in the sun. And I and I and I love your neck. I want your neck to be protected. So you know what? It, the the hat is part of the family now. It's your own personal I, hattie. If for the episode of grunt work work covering this, they're gonna they're gonna do a, a talk intro of protect your neck uh, by Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> Get on it! I can't wait. <laughs> um, so what I've run into the last few days, uh, and we're recording this in the midst of me doing this Instagram stuff. So by the time it releases, it'll all be history. But the last two steps have just given me no end of trouble uh, trying to get them off. Um, All of the other nail screws on this deck have like rusted out. Like all of the planks on the top landing part where I could just lift them off because the, the screws had rusted out for some reason on these stairs. The I think it was because when they drilled them in initially, they went so deep it went into the wood, mm. so uh, it protected it from rusting out, but also made it impossible for me to get my drill in there and be able to screw them back out. Mm. So I had to get a, a second drill, and I've been not not using the like the part where you the the drill bit where you hook it into a, a screw and you know unscrew it, but like an actual drill drill. And drilling around, you know, into the wood around the screw to loosen it enough to pull the plank off, and then having to get my my vice grip uh, wrench, my vice wrench, to then hook onto the rusty screws that are still left there, standing, pointing upwards, and either screwing them out or just breaking them off so that uh, the, I can fit the new plank on flushly. Uh, the vice wrench sounds a lot more fun than I'm sure it actually is. <laughs> It's kind of a fun tool. Uh, it's it's a it's like a wrench, uh, but it has this like um, twisty lever at the you know the handle on the handle that you can tighten how its grip basically. Ooh. So you can you can lock it onto an object and then twist it so that it it vice like like a regular vice will just p- compress on it and make it basically so it will not lose its grip on the thing you're you're holding. And then once it's once it's on there, you just twist it, you know, like you would anything else. Has it also got like a, a wide, smooth, flat surface where you can lay out rails of cocaine and just kind of just hoover those up before you go back to work? <laughs> I have a different tool for that, but I'm 
<laughs> That's a different story. It's called a bathroom mirror. <clears throat> okay, go on. <laughs> um, so yeah, where am I with this? I as of recording uh, this morning before we turned on the mics, uh, took my drill, my new drill, my well, a different drill, I should say. It's not a new yeah. drill. I, I had a the one I was using was a, a wireless new drill that uh, I had gotten recently when I got the new house. Um, the drill I'm now using is like a one from the seventies or eighties that is like plugs in. So I have to have an extension cord, but it's much more heavy duty. And, um, I drilled, you know, I was drilling and finally got the, this plank off of, you know, the stairs. And, uh, like I felt it in my bones to want to like raise that, that's that plank over my head like Tim does in the first season with that drill and grunt and be like, oh, I did it. Yes, God, you're fucking off the thing. I conquered you. So, so you're we're finally finding out that, that the stuff this show about is rooted in actual genuine masculine instincts. You're 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 uncovering uh, the the stuff that Tim has been talking about this whole time. Uh, well, I don't want to go that far because, you know, I would imagine that, you know, it either. It crosses gender lines like it doesn't have oh, to fair. necessarily be masculine fair totally uh, fair but i'd be curious you know if uh, what the experience of someone else doing this would be uh but there, there's another revelation i had when yeah. i started this uh over the weekend doing the planks and doing all the cutting and the thing is like individually none of the planks are heavy mm-hmm. but after moving 10 of them and and using the you know the power using your strength to hold the power tool, you know, the I had the six and a half six and a half inch saw that I was cutting the planks with, and then uh, a few of them have to go around posts. So I used a jigsaw to cut out, you know, little squares of, of a couple of the planks. You want to build a deck? <laughs> Sorry, please continue. Per- perfect commentary. Uh, so individually, none of it is is exhausting, but. Over the course of a couple hours, like, A, I lost track of time. I started at, like, 10.30, and before I knew it, it was 3 p.m., wow. and I had been lifting these planks and moving them and getting them in place and using these power tools, and I was sweating up a storm, and here's what I realized is that after – once 3 p.m. hit, and I'm like, I'm dehydrated, I'm tired, my body is sore, all I want to do is lay down on the couch and just zone out for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And I, I finally understood the like inclination for men who just like to lay down and watch golf on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I, I did my equivalent of that. And, you know, I, I took a shower and then lay down on the couch and watched a room with a view. Directed by <laughs> James Ivory of Merchant and Ivory. Wonderful. Wonderful. I, I like that. Oh, that does sound that does sound wonderful, and I'm just um, I, I'm I'm concerned because I also often feel the need to just lie down and zone out and not think about anything and just do my equivalent of watching golf, which is you know play Crusader Kings three, and but I never do anything productive in my day. I'm I'm never out there. Like I just it's, wake up and it's like I God, I really need to lie down and just just uh, zone it's different. out. It, it's it's different, and I'll say like what you're. Because I, I, I've experienced what you've just described as well, where it's it's a complete physiological and mental turnoff. Mm, There's no mm-hmm. like I, I couldn't play a video game like I didn't have the faculties to move things to like my hands were sore. Uh, they're still I, I get, you know, guess what? I almost have a blister. 
<gasps> I almost have a callus on my thumb. I got blisters on my fingers. <laughs> Thanks, Ringo. Yeah. Uh, I, I hadn't really experienced that before, which I think at 40 years old kind of shows my privilege, and I apologize for that. Uh, but, like, it was just a full body. I need, like, I needed a soak. I, mm-hmm. I needed, what I really needed to do was just get in the bath with some Epsom salts. Uh, I didn't have any of that, but um, I just needed to, to lie. I needed to lie in a vegetative state and, and it, not think and not move and just watch something slow that didn't, wasn't plot heavy, which I, why I understood watching golf at that point where it's just mm. like, it's just, you kind of keep track of score, but it's very slow moving. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of stakes, you know. Well, well, who? Yeah, yeah. Like, who won in a room with a view? Did Helena Bonham Carter triumph, or was it more of Daniel Day Lewis carrying the day, or did Denholm Elliott come from behind? <laughs> I, I mean, listen. You want to talk about Denholm Elliott? Daniel Day Lewis definitely does not carry the day on that one. Really? I, I think. It, I think it is Helen Helena Bonham Carter. Okay. Okay. Good for her. Good for her. I'm glad. Uh, I'm no, glad that she came out ahead. There, there is a, a case to be made for Simon Callow. All right. All right. I mean, you know, uh, just just kind of reading the loose description of this online and having not seen the movie or knowing anything about it, maybe I got myself in over my head by trying to discuss the the nature of the film with you. But then again, I can I, I have probably more to say about A Room with a View than I do about fixing a deck other than holy shit, you're actually doing it. And I'm I'm very proud. Uh, does that mean we can start a Mr. Beebs uh, podcast? Uh, a, 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 mis- a Mr. Biebs po- is that where we talk about yeah. Justin Bieber or is that where we watch Mr. Bean <laughs> where we talk about Simon Callow from Room with a View uh, okay yeah you know what let's let's do uh, let's do Bieb work I'm I'm into it that'll be that folks you've been wondering what our next uh, podcast is it's going to be all about the Merchant Ivory films get ready for uh, something even more engaging and exciting than us talking about home improvement remains um, of the day how much uh, speaking of remains, how much deck remains to be built? Oh, uh, I think I'm going to finish today uh, <gasps> with with the build. After we're done recording here, I'm going to go out, replace the last two steps. Now there are two more phase, one one and a half more phases to it, which is um, I need to secure the balusters with a little more. So. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Secure the balusters sounds like a Merchant Ivory movie. <laughs> yeah, the, the the aristocrats of House Ballister have fallen into disrepair, but it comes to Maggie Smith and Julian Sands to get things straight. Two thumbs up, uh, way up. I'm British Roger I, Ebert. I would watch it. Yeah. Uh, so the balusters need a little more sturdying. So I'm gonna screw, do some more screws into those. Um, but basically, I have to paint. The balusters and the railings, uh, white, and then I'm gonna put a coat of uh some sort of uh outdoor sealant on the new wood to make it last a little bit longer. So, uh, the the build is gonna be done today. the The painting and securing will be done um by the end of the weekend. That's uh that's impressive for several reasons. Chief among them being that I can't do shit after I podcast. This is this to me <laughs> doing this thing that you're listening to right now for me is very strenuous and it's like building a deck. Uh, and afterwards, I I could not go back out and work with my hands after this. And in fact, I am very bummed out that I have to go to a neighborhood council meeting tonight and listen to people talk about zoning. So uh, you know, Landon, <laughs> I want to. 
yeah, it's my favorite thing. But when I'm I'm too zonked out after talking about home improvement for two hours, I can't even focus on my favorite thing. (laughs) That's a bummer. I know, it is a bummer. It's a good thing we're almost done with the show. It's slowly killing me. This isn't fun to talk. Oh my god, I'm so sorry, folks. I, I, I do love this. I do love this. But sometimes doing the thing that you love tires you out in the end. <laughs> you want to talk about Zen cones. I, <laughs> uh, no, only traffic cones. Uh, which are probably something that Tim would use to clear his mind because of how much he likes cars. Um, I, I will also say... Doing this whole thing, it it has been kind of zen-like, and I understand Tim on a different level now, where uh, I, I I didn't listen to podcasts. I didn't do anything except just the project while, while working on it, but no other thought came into my mind while I was doing it. Whoa. Uh, it, it was kind of weird, but then... Then, after going through the intricacies of everything, especially, like, the rotted-out screws and how they they did them initially and how I was doing them a little bit differently, I was, in retrospect, able to draw metaphors <laughs> from what uh, from the work that I was doing. Dude, are you gonna are you gonna like be alone for three days and write a book about your whole philosophy of this stuff? Now, is that is that what we're leading to? It's called aluminum foil, Landon. Oh, God, well, I you know, um, I, I I'll, I'll read it's, it. It's really just about putting it putting a hat on your head, aluminum <laughs> foil hat. Well, hey, you know, well, yeah, that will be the next evolution of the hat that you've got to protect your neck. Now, th- this will be one that reflects the sun. <laughs> right back so it probably keeps you cooler you don't sweat as much you don't get dehydrated and the government can't read your thoughts that's a bonus oh god truman we watched an episode of home improvement this week uh do you want to tell us all a little bit of what happened uh yes i do the Taylors are hitting milestones left and right. Jill has finally finished her graduate thesis, and Mark has finally finished his documentary about his family. Ahead of her thesis defense, Jill and the family go to the premiere of Mark's documentary and are surprised to see the head of the thesis review board, Dr. Hanover, is in the audience. They're even more surprised when Mark's documentary includes footage of her complaining that Dr. Hanover is a pompous ass with a bad comb-over. What? 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 Now, the culmination of Jill's academic career is in the hands of a man who she just put on blast in front of a room full of high schoolers. <laughs> Rough stuff. <laughs> your, your sound effects really crack me up. Thank do you. you. <laughs> do you have a sound effect to lead us into Guess That Title? Uh, <laughs> That's... That's the sound of uh, that's the sound of the synopsis getting catapulted into the sun, so we can start guessing <laughs> where it belongs. True. Do you want to guess that title? Yes, I have three options. Uh, okay. First option: thesis, the end. Ooh. Yeah. I really like that one. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy with it too, and it came to me mighty quick, which was a surprise. Hmm. All right. Next option, Harry and the Hanovers, H-A-I-R-Y, because thanks for the clarification. It's about hair. Thanks for the, thanks for the hairification. Boiling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know what that one was. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that was a, that's a different thing. That's a that's okay. a Gruntwork Nights topic. <laughs> All right. Uh, how many did you say you have? Uh, I have three, so we have one more. Okay. All right. What's the next one? The last one is docu-drama. 
Ooh, I like that one too. Thank you, thank you. Three good ones. I don't, I don't think the term docudrama existed at the time of this recording, uh, or at the time of this uh, this episode. Savages. Uh, but it, it uh, yeah, it fits well. Um, yeah. I'm going to say, I don't think you'll, well, okay, I'm going to give you, we're, we're in our last couple episodes. We need content. Uh, we're going we're gonna to pack this to the brim. I'm going to give you one chance to try to guess what this is. Great. Um, I'm going to say this is a great title. I, I'm going to preempt you with Ooh, that. Uh, okay. Despite your, your, whatever your, con- uh, your determination is. Uh, uh, look, what, what it, whatever, whatever word you're looking for, if it's a great title, I'm not going to be able to come up with it because I am traditionally not capable of coming up with great okay. titles on here. Here is the, uh, here's your clue. This is a play on a very famous phrase from World War II. <sighs> keep, okay, so it's probably keep calm and carry on. So Not it's, necessarily British. Uh, uh, okay, other other phrases for, uh, nothing to fear but fear itself, nothing to hair but, uh, nothing more, to more, thesis, more but advice, itself. something you'd see on a poster in like the barracks. Uh, we, we want you, Uncle Sam wants you, uh, we can do it. Um, Lo- oh wait, loose lips sink ships. So it's loose, loose lips thesis. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh man, it's something. It's something about the loose lips and the sinking ships. I know that. Um, loose clips sink ships. Yeah, tell me what it is. Uh, you're. I, I'm going to give you half points because you got there, and I'm impressed with that. Yeah. Uh, it's loose lips and Freudian slips. God damn it. That's really good. Loose lips and Freudian slips. Mm, beautiful. Chef's kiss. A yeah. plus. Well done, guys. You're finishing strong in your title game. Agreed. This episode aired May 4th, 1999. Truman, are you sitting down? Uh, No, I'm not, but I think I know the revelatory thing that you're going to tell me. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, stand at your own risk when I tell you. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm holding on tight. Okay, at least brace yourself on your desktop. Like, yeah. Hold on to it tightly. Okay, you know what? Fine, I will sit down. Okay, I've, I had to boost the audio so much last time we did this shit, but fine. Okay, <laughs> Sorry, I'm down okay. here now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this episode was directed by Tim Allen. Yeah, I, I, I'm standing again. I saw, I saw that in the opening credits. Unfortunately, oh, you did? I was okay. sitting down at the time. Your hackles have been up since Patricia Richardson directed. I, exactly. Uh, and was written by um, Kim Flagg, who I believe wrote another episode this season. Um, nope. She, yeah, she wrote episode 18 or uh, episode eight of season eight, uh, Tim's First Car. So she she wrote Tim's First Car. Only okay. two episodes she's written. So Kim Flagg is back. Tim Allen is directing this episode. Yes. Uh, Truman, how would you feel about it, though? I feel like Patricia Richardson is a better director than Tim Allen. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Oh, shots fired. Oh, True, shit. That was caught on camera. Oh, no. Oh, no. And Tim Allen is reviewing my thesis. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I noticed a lot of directorial flourishes in this that, that were sort of interesting, but at the same time, I was like, well, wait, why... Like I would see a scene being shot a certain way and think like, wait, why are 
why are they doing that? And then and then I would think, oh, oh yeah, Tim Tim Al- Tim Allen directed this. Like, not it. It's not like in the Patricia Richardson directed episode where it would be really cool and artful and it would kind of contribute to the scene. Here it was like that's that's distracting me from the scene that it's directed and that it's set up in this way. I don't know why we're doing it. Oh, Tim, there you go. Uh, <laughs> sorry for partying, uh. I guess. Um, and also. I don't I don't I didn't love this episode. That's the other thing. The one that that Patricia Richardson directed, I think, was one of the strongest of the season. This one, I I didn't think it was a super strong story. I didn't find it Mm -hmm. especially gripping or funny. And also, we've basically seen this episode before where Jill thinks she has to flirt with the professor to get ahead and spends the whole episode fretting about it for kind of no reason. And then the professor just turns out to be a super chill dude and uh, and 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 yeah, so we kind of get the same thing again here. How did you feel? I feel very similarly. Um, hmm. There were. Well, let me ask you. Did you did you did you any get any? Because uh, this is the first thing Tim Allen has directed. Uh, did you get Did you get early uh, influences of Crazy on the Outside? I mean, I I kept thinking I I. I Anything that I thought that I saw was probably more just me trying to look for it and not actually uh-huh. seeing those influences. Did you did you see any crazy on the outside? Uh, a pr- little bit crazy, yeah. Uh, there, there's a moment later in the episode where, um, when she's being reviewed, you know, uh, having her thesis over oversought by Doctor Hanover, where she's worried about the the come over. We'll get into it in the deep dive, but. We, as you mentioned in the Patricia Richardson episode, there was a uh, use of the rack focus. Yes, and this was using rack focus to really, really drive home a comedy bit. And yeah. that point, I was like, "Oh, okay, so this is just like on the nose comedy uh, that I could definitely see would, you know, I was gonna, I was going to say evolve, but maybe mutate is the better word uh, for what." crazy on the outside became i you know i guess i noticed i did notice kind of a crazy on the outside uh cue or or a bit that that got explored later because when when the opening credits were showing or or when they were you know in the scene and the credits are kind of playing every time when tim allen's name came up then parentheses appeared over all the characters who weren't him and it said not this guy (laughs) uh so yeah I, i felt i felt that in a big way Little little deep cut for the crazy on the outside heads in the audience. Um, I don't even know that we got that episode back up on our feed yet. So you know uh, what, new listeners. You know what? That's not. Hey, if you're listening to this and you're like crazy on the outside, what's that? Don't answer that question. It's like the movie from The Ring. It is a it is a snuff film. Don't watch. Um, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. What what else? What other reflections have you got? Um. So this episode started very, oof, very scary to me. And oof. I'm like, oh, please don't, please don't go here. Please don't, please just don't go here. Uh, and it ultimately didn't. It kind of, it, it came back a little bit. It like, I would say it almost reached back to status quo for me. It, <sighs> it didn't quite reach like unoffensive territory, but. Um, I don't know. It just kind of became a forgettable episode by the end of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Where, yeah, I, I I agree with most of what you said. Where it's just like we've seen most of what this episode's trying to do before. 
Um, I do, I do like that it's it is told mostly through Patricia Richardson's perspective, and yes. that Tim Allen is playing the, a side character. That's great, you know, even if it <laughs> means that he got to focus on directing more. Um, but I don't know, and I I do also like just structurally that it's using like Mark's passion, Mark's character arc intersecting with Jill's character arc and like these things aren't just arbitrary and they are kind of coming to a head by the end of this series. Um, that said, like we fucking had a greased lightning musical number to Tim finishing a hot rod that we haven't even been watching for a season or two. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, this is Jill's thesis that she's been working on since what season three, four, yeah. did she decide to go back to school? It's been a uh, while. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it felt a little, I don't know, lackluster in terms of the pomp and circumstance around her big achievement. I, I, I completely agree. Like it is a it is a forgettable episode that is nonetheless about, you know, kind of momentous conclusions to a couple different things, because Mark has also been working on the documentary about the family for a little while. And yeah. it's it's like they yeah, we we checked Two boxes for major arcs for supporting characters we like a lot in an in in kind of just the most down the middle boring way possible. Like we barely even get to see Mark's documentary. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is which is sad. Yes. Um, I yeah. Sorry, I was doing research for uh, classic <laughs> something in the very first scene. work bit. Gotta love it. Um, here, you know, here's, here's one other thing I'll say. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. so, so Mark is doing this documentary for a class. He's in some film class. He's got to do the documentary. Um, can you not turn in the gigantic music video you directed for a yeah. regionally syndicated cable tool show, dude? Like maybe that could be <laughs> right. your final project. Or or the 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 big horror film that you directed. Yeah, I, I mean, know. You know, I mean, I mean to to that point, I mean, when I was in video school back in college, like we had multiple video projects, so sure. I, you know, if this is if this is basically his thesis along with her thesis, like I can see you needed to do something bigger and different. I just, you know, I, and, and look, and that's fair. And it's fair that he can't turn in the, the horror movie he made like two seasons ago. But I just don't think, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think he's done better work is all I'm saying. He's, you know, B minus, you're capable of better work. See me after class. Oh my God. Truman. Uh-oh. Get ready for a four-hour episode. Oh boy! Well, that's 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 great. I definitely will. Uh, I definitely will not be in good shape for this neighborhood I, council meeting. In in patented Landon Solano uh, fashion, uh, I'm going to foreshadow something for the deep dive, which is in the first scene. Thank goodness. Um, oh man, I can't wait. Okay, okay, let's di let's dive in then. Unless you have more reflections, I have no more reflections. Um. Let's, You're like a uh, vampire. Let's, <laughs> let's format our memory cards, set the white balance, find our f-stop, steady our hands, strap on the body stabilizer, lock the telephoto, lock on the telephoto lens, wait in the bushes next to the fence, point the camera through the window, and try to catch a compromising footage of the deep dive. Ew, that 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 started off giving me journalism <laughs> school nostalgia, and then it took me to a gross place that I don't love. Um. <laughs> uh, we start on Tool Time, yeah, we do. where the Grunt Creep has some binoculars, and Tim and Al are dressed in military regalia. What the hell is going on here, Truman? Uh, what's going on here is my first note is, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. 
it's the it's the tool time salute to men. They're saluting everything that men like, and they've invited on the two authors of the big damn book of sheer manliness. Uh, Heidi is dressed as Raquel Welch in 10 million BC, and uh, comes out and introduces these two dudes who are wearing Hawaiian shirts and white shorts and white shoes and tall white tube socks, who are apparently masculinity experts despite the fact that they have the same footwear that I wore in high school, but no big deal. We're not going to delve into that. And uh, they come out and talk about manly stuff and pick on Al a little bit, and then they uh, show how to make some manly chili, and then uh, their sexism gets to be too much for Heidi, who puts way more uh, peppers in the chili than the guys were expecting, and uh, blasts all their mouths off with the spice. Um, Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll start somewhere not gross, which is... Um, I I would the take end up of the, the Heidi spice <laughs> the Heidi spice challenge. Yeah, you you would you would eat the spicy chili. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I yeah, no I I I wouldn't man. I don't know. I thought you were also prone to heartburn like me. I, I don't I don't want to. I mean I know you like chili though. I I guess as soon as I started cooking chili, I was like, oh god damn it, yeah. Landon's gonna have things to say. Oh god, yeah. Where they said beans are optional. Get the fuck out of town, you motherfuckers. What Here we is, go. Four hour chili, episode. Chili isn't chili unless you have beans in it. It's just sauce. Mm. If you don't mm. have beans in it, yeah. Well, how do you feel about using a saltine instead of a spoon, like a real man does? Eh, yeah, whatever. I kind of eye rolled at that one. I, like, I feel, I feel like I feel like a salty like. When I think of of traditional '90s visions of masculinity, just saltine crackers don't factor in. Like, oh, I love my beer and my saltine crackers. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's <laughs> love to crumble well, am, in my am, soup. I am drinking a beer while drink while while doing this episode, which is unusual for me. Well, I mean, are you eating? Are you also eating a big old thing of saltine crackers? The the uh, best food to eat just... while recording. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm saving our uh, our listeners' ears that travesty. Uh, okay, oh I don't. Okay, so that, that's where I'm starting with the scene. Like, fuck their idea of chili. Fuck this idea of the big book of manliness. Uh, which I I don't know how you want to handle this. Okay, Chairman, I have a revelation for you. All right, this is a real thing. I, it seemed like these were real dudes based on their. Like they, they seemed like people who we were supposed to know. Like in the nineties, yeah. we were supposed to see these guys and be like, "Oh, damn! It's like Penn and Teller, except worse <laughs> in every conceivable way." Uh, I have the big book of manliness opened in front of me here. Oh, it is God. available for everyone on archive.org, the Internet Archive. <laughs> Great, thank you for your public service, archive.org. I've I've borrowed it, uh, and I am flipping through it as we speak. Um, I think there might be enough in here to go into the big book of manliness corner at the end of this episode okay um rather than go into it now and completely distract from the narrative of what we're trying to do yes uh uh but let's let's talk a little bit about these dudes about this segment um i was initially just like uh like the second first of all is this okay tim and al are on stage and we we start with like a mishap that's already happened before the episode starts love that love that gag yeah um tim has shot a crossbow apparently and shot a stage hand in the back and he crosses he crosses the crosses the frame with an arrow in his back which is 
dumb but kind of funny. The, the, um, the, yeah, they're standing in military garb behind a a like cart full of weapons. Tim is holding the crossbow, and the guy pushes the cart away with the arrow in his back. Yeah, Tim is like dressed in a. Uh, menagerie of military garb. He's like yes. kind of Green Beret, kind of army, kind of grunt, kind of everything. Well, kind uh, of while, grunt. <laughs> while L is in full Navy garb, which we know from the history on the show, he served in the Navy. Al Borland served in the Navy. Yes. I'm wondering if Richard Carnes served in the Navy. Is I, this the first time we've seen him not in plaid or flannel? I mean, there must have been some. I mean, we've seen him without a beard. There must have been a time we've seen him yeah. without flannel. Other okay, than this. there was date night when he was wearing that turtleneck. Yes, exactly. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. there was uh, the blue tux at the wedding. Right, uh, right. For I, I, Eileen. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, not the first time, but it, first time on tool time. It was. It just struck me as like, oh, we don't see non plaid Borland very often. You're like, who is that guy? <laughs> who is that beautiful man? I mean, I could still recognize him without plaid, but I could not recognize him without a beard. Yeah, no, when he when he comes out without a beard at the end of, what, season four or something, it was like, whoa, whoa what, this isn't, who is that guy? Just, what? Just not right. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that chin ain't right. Um... Yeah. Okay. So. So. Yeah. They. They've got. They've got the guns. They've done their salute to the military. They're. This whole concept of just the salute to men is yeah. like. It, it, it's really. A. My first thought was like, haven't they done this before? I feel like they've done this it's before. Fucking every episode. But yeah. Well. Yeah. Because I feel like I've made this joke that every episode of Tool Time is the Tool Time salute to men. But I feel like I said that because they've done a Tool Time salute to men before. Maybe, yeah. Uh, I will say my my personal experience watching this, as soon as they did the salute to men, uh, and I think it was a burp or something. Yeah, it was the, a burp. The sound effect. Long, uh, burp. I was like, oh, God, oh, no, we're going to get our final man's fill in the blank. And yeah. uh, I got very nervous <laughs> about what we were about to see. The, the budget for that got spent on the greased lightning video. Thank you very much. That money went <laughs> okay, into the pocket of the backup dancers. <laughs> I will. I will take that over over another man's fill in the blank. Honestly, um, me too. I. So I. I was already on tender hooks uh, going into this. Uh, what proceeds just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I, yeah, it's it's all of the all of the id of this show that we've complained about at length turned up to eleven of you know luscious shots of of Heidi in her kind of canvas bikini or, or leather bikini coming out and everyone yeah, hooting it's, and it's hollering. Very Ten thousand BC Raquel Welch. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, loincloth. Yeah, the 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 dudes who wrote the book, you know, one of them asks her out, and is it's a whole thing. It's yeah, Brant Hoffman and Todd Hoffman, they're brothers, <sighs> and they're wearing Hawaiian shirts, unbuttoned a little too far. One has sunglasses, kind of hanging around his neck, uh, with one of those strings. They look I, like <laughs> parrot heads to a certain degree. I've I've got to say though, compared to today's dudes who write about manliness and our personalities about manliness i found these guys almost r refreshingly just normal looking they're just wearing hawaiian shirts 
shorts, yeah. the the white tube socks and white sneakers. They're not like super buff steroided guys in like aviators with buzz cut hair smoking cigars yeah. and, and they don't immediately start talking about know. wokeness. Like somehow for me, it's like, oh, you look like a couple of lame dads. Yeah, I mean, they do 100% look like they look like divorcees getting back out on the scene. Yes. But there, there, there's something there's something kind of I, I can't quite put my finger on it where they're like an older version of Joe Francis, where it's mm. just like we we need to investigate what exactly is going on with you two. There, something just the equation feels not right. I like you haven't really shown your work for solving for X, and I'm kind of suspicious about how you got there. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know, I because I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what these guys' credentials are. I don't know where they've been or what they've done. Like, I'm sure they're bad dudes in one way or another. They just, to, well, yeah, I, I've looked them, I've looked them up, and I I cannot seem to find any. Uh, okay, I'm gonna do one more one more search here. Von, they're they're playing themselves. Von Hoffman Brothers. They don't seem to have a Wikipedia page, uh, <laughs> which is there. This good? this is this is their Wikipedia page. They were on a Home Improvement episode. They were on one of the final episodes of Home Improvement. Well, I mean, they wrote a book, which to me suggests that they should at least be in the thing. Um, like, okay, the, you know what this this makes me feel is like they they've got same energy leading into the era of neil strauss's the game Mm -hmm. yeah yeah which is just like it's it's that world of i i really don't want to be in the same room as you but you haven't really done anything that i can see as gross but i just i can feel it's gross i can feel it's something i don't want your energy to rub off on me. I I completely agree with all of this. I simply think the fact that their appearance is so incongruous with all the awful things I know that are true about them. And <laughs> uh, and, and look, honest, honestly, just I, I'm sure I, I would wager, I don't know, five to ten bucks that one of these guys is the co-chair of a super pack called like Save American Greatness or like, <laughs> you know, Fight Woke Pack or something like that. And is, is mm. you know, there's a picture of him on a stage uh, shaking hands with Trump and they're both grinning and, and there's a lot yeah. of shine coming off their Maybe foreheads. Maybe that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, here's some, here's some uh, pull quotes from the, the cover of uh, the big... Bigger, dammer book of sheer manliness. Great. Um, uh, this testosterone tome is a uh, testosteronic tome is an encyclopedia of all masculine interests. Esquire, a must-have manual for any man worth his salt stake. USA Today, <laughs> positively teeming with testosterone. Publishers Weekly, part tongue-in-cheek, part terrifying, and one hundred percent. Hilarious Associated Press. I mean, uh, a gleeful celebration of Arrested Development. The London Times. Uh, the well, perfect gift for Father's Day. Washington Post. I listen. I'm. I would love a gleeful celebration of Arrested Development, but I think w- me and the London Times are talking about different stuff. It's. <laughs> 
it's just like i don't know man like masculine like oh masculinity it's uh, such a great important force then why do we have to write so many goddamn books about it why do why why must men buy books about i i don't know i i'm not and i'm not even trying to cast aspersions on the notion of uh thinking about or studying gender but just not 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 like this don't like not like agreed in fact, to counteract this, I would really recommend people to go listen to You Must Remember This. They're doing, uh, Katrina Longworth is doing a segment on erotic 80s and erotic 90s. It's absolutely fantastic. I wouldn't be surprised if she won some huge awards for it, mm. but it explores the kind of idea of anti feminism or the male response to feminism in the 80s and 90s uh which i think gives birth to shit like this i that's that's what i i love is you know there there were all of these you know you've got gloria steinem and whatever writing these these books about female liberation and reconsidering a woman's role in society and things like that and the male response is like i like steak make spicy chili (laughs) (laughs) great if it was just that that would be great Uh, but the the underlining the teeming grossness behind that is is what makes me nervous uh, y- yes and rightfully so um yes you, 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 so what so what else what else have you got uh i mean okay, okay well they, um, they, they talk about their they ask their i i asked you what you've gotten at and then i start talking instead they ask about <laughs> favorite guy movies and they toss yeah. out the two options are spartacus and true grit i'm interested yeah. to know what you think because you like movies i've heard uh, I do like movies. Guy movies, uh, love them. You're a I, huge I mean, fan. I don't, <laughs> I don't like the glass. I talked about watching Room with a View, so yeah. like you know where I'm coming from. Uh, yeah, Daniel Day uh, Lewis. He's a guy. <clears throat> Merchant and Ivory, both guys. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't even know where to start with that. To be honest with you, I mean, I I, I understand the idea of arbitrarily labeling a you know, genre of film, a guy film. And within that confine, those parameters, what? Uh, <laughs> what would I choose? Like, I don't know. My brain goes to a thousand different places immediately. Like die hard, the rock, mm-hmm. uh, I, uh, con air. I mean, face die off. I, I mean, Die Hard is is kind of about uh, a man who is in a an increasingly fragile and isolated position who ultimately uh, realizes that he has to make himself vulnerable to his wife in order to be a better person. Ooh. So, eh, maybe. Hey, you know, I, as far as those go, I think you can do a lot worse. Okay, yeah, I, no, I, I think so, too. For example, you could do any of the other Die Hard movies, which are much worse. Uh, what about yours? Favorite guy movie? Uh, favorite guy movie? I mean, now listen, I know I talk about the movie Barry Lyndon on here a lot, but that is a movie that is three hours of a man being a total dumbass who treats everyone like shit and has awful things happen to him, so I think that's one good option. <laughs> uh, and another Truman I might, Cap's... I might, yeah? I might also say Spartacus, because I remember I saw that in the theater with one other guy, oh. and uh, that gave us the ten chef kisses uh, meme that we've done on the show. <laughs> you know, and plot twist, that guy was one of these guys. Yes, um, he was. <laughs> you know, and I mean, I guess, uh, I guess you know, Aliens also could count, because it's a, uh, a movie where a bunch of dude bro guys uh, get their shit completely wrecked, and the only one who survives is the dude who listens to a woman, so uh, I don't know. I guess I'm not really I'm not really engaging with the prompt as they give it to me, but also fuck yeah. these guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. 
So uh, where do we go from here? <laughs> where, I where where yeah where where do we go? I don't. know. Do you need to talk about the? Ch- I guess we already talked about the chili. You have chili opinions. Oh, I have many chili opinions. Uh, put those peppers in. Why? Why? To me, this is not man chili. Like in in whatever kind of warped world they're defining man as, like barbed wire toilet seat cover <laughs> chili. Like you put the beans in, and you put the chilies in. Those are the two manliest quote unquote manliness ingredients that you want what the, what he puts in there is the the um was it rum or or oh, it's rye. beer I can't, it, I, it's it's some it's, kind of beer it's a beer i think it's beer oh yeah okay yeah it is beer it's just in a it's in a it's in a big it, old thing yeah because it's like it's like you know a four, it's a 40 ounce it's malt liquor or something yeah. men ha huh, uh <laughs> i will say beer's a beer's a decent ingredient so is whiskey yeah uh but yeah, you, you can't have a chili without chili peppers, <laughs> yeah, to some degree, and and beans. I mean, that those are the two things that identify it as a chili. Yes, I I I fully I fully agree. You know, um, and I I there is the comeuppance here where Heidi knocks a bunch of spoons off the table and the guys all bend over to get them and she dumps all the extra chilies in, and then the guys freak out when they eat the chili. I just would have loved to have then seen. Heidi eating the chili and been like, yeah, I'm fine with it. I, I, I gave birth. You think this shit scares me? I can do anything. Uh, that said, I mean, Heidi, they, they do swap out like the, you know, like they do on these normal cooking segments where uh, they are putting the ingredients in a pot and they're like, well, normally you'd put this on boil for 45 minutes or slow cook it for 24 hours. But we have one here that we've been doing, you know, for the last 24 hours. So we're going to bring that one out. Uh, yeah. instead and Heidi puts the fresh peppers into the one that's been cooking like you got to let those peppers marinate you got to get that you got to get that that sweetness and the spiciness just blended into the entire concoction uh having fresh peppers in your chili I don't know uh, well yeah because also unless uh, unless they directly ate the fresh peppers she just dumped in they're not going to make the chili spicy like if it like they yeah they haven't been they haven't. She hasn't even stirred it. Like it's just sitting right on top. Anyway, let's <laughs> right. More details in this scene that don't work. Um. Okay. Okay. Also, I'm gonna come back around. Uh. Uh. Guy movie. Uh. Heat. You know what? There. That's that's a genuine one. That's a movie about dudes doing dude stuff. It's directed by Michael yeah. Mann, and uh, and the, like the 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 one or two women in it are severely underwritten. So you can just focus on on dudes having thoughts and feelings. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go on record saying I'm kind of I'm kind of blasé on heat. You're, you're you're cold on heat, really? No, I'm blasé on heat. You're bl- okay. You're blasé on heat. Well, um, I think I, it's fine. I I just I don't I don't hook into I don't hook into the things that people love heat for. You know, I I, I just think it's kind of long and like, but, but it is kind of long. I I, I don't know, and I, normally that's not a problem for me, but like, there's just without really i and i love michael mann's other stuff like but he is just not on the top of the list for me I you know, know why. i can't i can't defend it you know what landon i'm gonna take a helicopter out to see you and we'll go to a coffee shop and have a very intense discussion <laughs> about why you don't like heat as much as i do i love it i don't i don't have anything in my life that i can't walk away from in 30 seconds if i want to go watch the movie heat uh, so uh <laughs> I- enjoy that reference i'd uh, want to keep going yeah, uh, yeah, we get a pepper explosion to the theme song, and we come back out to a overhead shot of Brad leg pressing uh, some books. Yep. What What's going on here? 
Uh, it's a bunch of heavy books that he's got tied together. He's doing physical therapy because, oh yeah, he broke his leg pretty badly a while ago, and I guess that's still happening. Um, but, uh, you know, Brad, Tim comes in and helps Brad with some stretching, and then Brad goes upstairs to stretch his quads, and Jill comes in to, uh, that, to speaking of euphemisms for certain teenage activities, uh, and then Jill comes in and uh, announces that she's turned in her thesis, but now she has to defend it in front of the thesis committee, and she's nervous about that. And at the same time, Mark comes in, filming some final finishing touches shots for his documentary about his family. Uh, and in the process, he gets a visit from his friend Gregory, who's also in his film class, and Gregory is just a Gregory is just a whole thing. He's just got a whole <laughs> lot of neuroses and problems <laughs> in a way that maybe only a little bit reminds me of myself in high school. Gregory is a whole thing. He's is just, the best way to describe him. I was sweating a little bit <laughs> trying to figure out how to even approach the topic of Gregory on this episode. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Old Greg, he's um yeah, cuz he 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 shows up at the door because he's having trouble, you know, he needs Mark's help with his documentary and he's got a bag with him. So I suppose he has his camera in the bag, but he's got like a a blazer and a blue shirt. He looks like way preppier than you would assume anyone else at Mark's school would look, but he also has like a kind of Travis Bickle shaved head. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a, it's a it's almost a buzz cut. It was something I was very familiar with in 1999 in high school. I'll, I'll say that. It was a very popular cut for the time. Yes. And, and you know, when when Mark introduces him to Tim and Jill, it's he like, goes, yeah. It's like if you applied product to a buzz cut, a, a haircut that, that specifically does not need product. Mm -hmm. uh, this is what he's doing. He, he's applying just gobs of hair gel to a buzz cut yeah it's it's just it's sort of a sort of a helmet basically like it's a protective coating on top of the little hair that he has uh, i should ask him what i should use for my deck <laughs> uh but mark introduces gregory to tim and jill and they go to shake his hand but he says oh i'd shake your hands but human contact makes me queasy and then they ask him <laughs> if he wants to have dinner and he says oh i'm sorry i can't masticate in front of strangers and, you know, Tim says, who can? Horny. But, like, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's... Tim's horniness depressed you. I, well, it, it, well, it did, because it's just, mainly just, it's like, yeah, guys, we get it. We get the word masticate. As soon as I hear someone say masticate on a sitcom, it's like, okay, I'm out. Good. I know what the next <laughs> bit is going to be. Like, I'm just going to check out for the next 30 seconds. In uh, a call to our, our Grunt Work Nights episode, how do you feel about the word masticate? I mean, I feel I I feel bad about the word masticate simply because it's like if you're you you're not using it. The only reason you're using it is to set up a joke about masturbating. You're not like everybody says <laughs> yeah. chewing. Like for, like goddamn you know Niles Crane, the classiest, most erudite snob in the world, would say chewing. He wouldn't say masticate. Like it's just no no one says. I don't know. I think I think it's a fifty fifty as to whether or not Niles would say masticate. You know, they, they had 11 seasons. I don't remember a single mastication joke on that show. Well, I do remember some I masturbation jokes. 
<laughs> that's a challenge to anyone out there. Find find Niles saying masticate. I I, I mean, look, they're 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 rebooting Frasier with none of the original writers. I'm sure a masticate joke is going to be in there. And in fact, <laughs> the same money that I bet that one of those authors of the manliness book is is co-chair of a Trump pack, I would also bet that there's going to be a masticating joke on the new Frasier. So I'm double or nothing. It's a uh, it's one of those. All right. Yeah, so uh so yeah, but Gre- Gregory's Gregory's a whole thing. He's just a uh, he, he's like <laughs> that we we've met weird kids on the show before and he seemed like uh-huh. I feel like I don't know, I feel like we needed to meet this kid sooner in the run of the show or the whole episode he needed to be a bigger part of the episode. He's just kind of around and I I, I don't know. He's a bit much. Yeah, yeah. I, I I agree with you. He's a bit much for this late in the game. Yes. Yeah, he he. You know, it's too it's too many chilies. It's too many peppers in the chili with this kid. It's There's like, no, wait, no, I don't I don't follow the metaphor because I I don't see there being any problem with. There's infinite amount of chili room in chili. They're they're lay they're laying this kid on so thick in a short amount of time. I would rather have had a little bit of this kid sooner and just kind of acclimated <laughs> us to him. And I also yeah. I don't know. I just don't get his. I don't know. I, I I don't I don't get what kind of thing they're trying to lampoon. Like, is are they going for like he's a really Woody Allen neurotic kid? Is he a really elitist Frasery type kid? Like, say me in high school. I don't I don't know which I don't know which way to feel about him. I don't feel great about him. Uh, I mean, he's harmless, I guess, ultimately. But there's some jokes where I'm just like, and we'll get there there's a, a moment later on where over a phone call where I'm like, what is going on here? It's not really the joke isn't drawn out, but I, I want to earmark that for once we get there. But he's, I don't know. It is just like for, for having such a small impact on the episode. Like all we really need to know is that the professor that is overseeing Jill's thesis has a kid in Mark Mark's class. We yes. didn't need a whole frigging character no. built out of that. We did right? not. We did not. Yet we got one, and it's 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 too much. It distracts from the episode, and I I don't know. Like I don't necessarily find the joke of him funny. No. Uh, I mean he's a fine enough performer. I got no complaints about him specifically, yeah. but yeah, just the like the neuroses is supposed to be funny. Is it the neuroses? neuroses that it's in a teenager like it's supposed to be adult neuroses and a kid is that supposed to be the funny part like i don't quite understand what the joke is i guess he doesn't even seem that neurotic he says like two kind of weird things and then it's like oh man look at this freak oh you believe this crazy kid it's like yeah, oh, but i don't it's a know sitcom, so we're working in archetypes yeah but i mean but the two the two things I mean, the archetype isn't strong enough. Also, it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what like half of the lines that we have from him are just setting up a masturbating joke. It's like okay, <laughs> and and it's a joke that Tim is making. It's not even a joke about him, right? I, I, yeah. I know. I, I'm kind of like this episode made me think. Well, where'd Ronnie go? Was yeah. Ronnie in in the film class as well? Yeah, and Ro- yeah. Granted, we we already had. Maybe this is why it feels. Um, similar like we we're having like little uh Lacroix ghostly flavors of an earlier episode is didn't uh Jill have a problem with 
Ronnie's parents at one point and not realize it till the end of the episode? Well, she ha- they they showed up in for her therapy session or something, and then Ronnie yeah. was the kid. Yeah, I she gave the oh wait that that was it. Yeah, she gave bad advice out of the office to a couple of parents that in the stinger of that episode turned out to be Ronnie's parents, right? No, well, no, the parents she gave bad advice to were the parents of Randy's girlfriend. And then at the end of the episode, she gets a new set of clients and those are Ronnie's parents. Right. Thank. Well, there's enough there that it's like, it's, it's part of the same stew. You're that's basically we're, we're (laughs) this, the story we're getting today is basically that without the beans and the chilies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. None of none of the bits that actually make it. You, you don't have a stew going. This is just basically some weak salsa. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. We we covered Gregory. Um. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about <laughs> about Brad's recuperation. Yes. Okay. The first thing he's on his back doing leg lifts, you know, pushing this, yeah. this these books that are balanced on his feet up and down. It's a bunch of heavy books tied together. I'm yeah. looking at this like, dude, those are gonna fall off and smash your face in. Why? You gotta see, like, the books are tied together, but they're not secured to his feet. So if they fall off, he's doomed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But that's Brad. That is Brad. That is Brad. You're right. Yeah. I guess. I mean, you're- and it. It's a legit exercise, you know, like if he were in the gym, he would be, you know, uh, doing leg presses on a machine, you know, where the weights were actually tied to, you know, <laughs> tensile steel rope. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's doing he's using books on Chicago tourism here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, all, all the best places you can go with your wife to uh, <laughs> sing Beatles karaoke with Japanese businessmen and revitalize your marriage. Um <laughs> A plus callback. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, I, I yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad to I'm glad to see that he seems to be well on the road to recovery. I know that physical therapy is mm-hmm. no picnic, but he seems to be doing well. Yeah, agreed. And once he sets the books down, uh, you know, he has Tim, you know, hop on and he leg presses Tim a few times. And th- there is something like knowing that Tim Allen directed this, it suddenly made sense. First of all, the camera angles on this particular gag are like doing overtime Mm -hmm. it it starts on a bird's eye view of of brad pushing the books up and down and then tim walks in from the garage and sees brad in a compromising position and we get kind of a a graduate style between brad's legs at tim yeah uh just really highlighting the joke and then i don't know there's this sort of like and this part isn't a commentary but like a uh or criticism it's more um I could feel Tim trying to bring out the male camaraderie part of this. Like, uh, it's a real manly thing to do, you know, workout and exercises. As we saw in the the cold open, Tim had been working out and, you know, fit snugly into his army uniform. Yeah. Um, so this is just, you know, an extension of like pumping your, your, your kid up. Your kid's going to be, <laughs> you know, a manly man. Yeah. Uh, and Tim is doing whatever he can to be part of that. Um, I, I don't know. It just was kind of, kind of weird. <laughs> I, I, I mean, look, when, when Tim is then balanced on Brad's legs and Brad is pumping him up and down as they hold hands and Jill comes in and goes, what do they call that? Jerk de Soleil? I, I thought it was all worth it for that setup. <laughs> Jerk de Soleil is a good bit. Uh, yeah, that's a good line. Yeah. Um, 
uh yeah i guess that's all i got for that yeah that's that i mean that's all i've got too do we want to i do want to move on to the debut let's talk about uh do we need to talk about anything about mark because he's coming in here i mean they're talking about it because he's filming a little bit He's filming Tim uh, making food, which is interesting. Tim is cooking. Yeah, yeah Tim is uh, co- Tim's cooking a lot in this episode. Honestly, he is. He looks like he's making the chili from uh, from Tool Time. Yeah. But he kind of criticizes criticizes Mark for recording everything. Um, he's always got his camera going, which is, I think, what we mostly need to know because he's finishing up the the family documentary. Yeah, yeah. He turns his camera on. Uh, yeah, I think uh, was that a was that a spoon reference? That was a spoon reference. Thank you very much. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you got your cherry bomb. What can I say? Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, no. I, I, Tim is doing a lot of cooking in this episode, but that's you know, in the in the episode that Patricia Richardson directed. She also spends most of the episode in the kitchen because it's just. Yeah. I and I know that Jill just generally is cooking more, and we talk about that a lot on this show. But I like that that whenever whoever is directing the episode gets just they have a lot of bits written where they're standing in one place doing kitchen business, so they they can be off directing the rest of the time. I think we have to go back to episode one and do the show over again and chart <laughs> the percentage of the entire series that takes place in the kitchen. Well, I mean, the, because of the open plan of the house, you could argue that the kitchen and the living room and the dining room are all kind of the same room. So, no, we're not going to do that. It's already been done. <laughs> or uh, r- rather, it can't be done because I say so. All right. Uh, all right. We get some like uh, novelty chattering teeth uh, that transition us to the next scene. W- what prompted that? Uh, well, Tim is Tim has said something about how oh g- great this is my chance to get laughed at by a bunch of high schoolers so I think it has something to do with like oh class clown stuff chattering oh, teeth okay. that get confiscated by the by the principal or yep. whatever yeah yep yep okay uh so they're in the drawer next to the slingshot the uh it takes us to the classroom where everyone is uh, piling in for premiere night at the uh video class yes. And, uh, you know, they arrive and Jill is surprised to see Dr. Hanover, who's the chair of the thesis committee, uh, is there as well. And uh, they go and and talk to him and he explains that his daughter is in Mark's class and she points out Mark who's talking to Gregory and then goes out of her way to talk about how Gregory has massive psychological problems and something bad must be going on at home. And Dr. Hanover says, yeah, well, he's my stepson, so it's my home. And then they uh, sit down to uh, watch their movies, and Gregory's movie is up first, and it's all about how uh, unhappy he is. It's all black and white, and how his family is so intimidating to him, and uh, or, or like, and he can never live up to anything. And yeah, yeah, it seems like a sad. He's the whole thing. This Gregory, he's just a whole ass thing. <laughs> it's a whole ass thing. Let's pause it there before we get to Marks and just take what we've seen so far. Sure. Um, okay. I, I, as usual, I have the episode playing in the background uh, silently. When he says that he's his stepfather, when Mr. Uh, Professor Hanover says that that's, you know, my stepson, he introduces Jill to a girl that is standing next to him. Yes. Who the f- who who the fuck was that? I think that's I his that. that's his daughter because you see her at the dinner table in the documentary that uh, Gregory yeah, made. Yeah. Okay. So she she's was it stepdaughter or real daughter? I, I don't know I don't know which one I mean you know some would some would argue that stepchildren are also real children because parenting is a full time job Landon but uh, I think I I think the idea 
I, th- I think it's his, that's his daughter Emily because I have that in my notes. So maybe it's implied uh-huh. that that she's his daughter by birth and that he then married into the Gregories. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she's she's the red herring. So I guess Jill sees oh. This must be his only child in the class, therefore I can totally talk shit about this other child unprompted, no reason. <laughs> uh, and Brad and Tim are kind of off to the side on either side of Jill, uh, making fun of Dr. Hanover's comb-over. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know, man. Is it <laughs> that funny? Is it, it just, no, it's is, not. Is it like a per- I, I don't know. Like I see people with comb-overs out and about i see people with weird haircuts out and about and i mean i guess i do it just never really registers or sinks in i've got i got other shit i'm thinking about in my life yeah. i guess i i don't know yeah no i agree with you i mean to me a comb over is or a toupee or whatever is no different than any other you know haircut that kind of catches my attention when i'm in public and you just go oh they're making a choice with their hair but you know what i'm making a choice with my hair yeah uh, it, we're all we're making all... choices with our hair <laughs> aren't we um yeah i don't know it just it feels kind of kind of bullyish i don't know mm. it just it, it's i guess somewhat harmless but i don't know there's just something kind of gross a little bit about i mean I, maybe it's the fact that tim allen's directing this where it, him and brad like this is the morals he's instilling in brad is going ha good one it's totally fine to make fun of bald guys that are trying to cover up their baldness isn't that a funny thing? And I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't disagree with that, but I'm also just, it's not even, I don't even have any objection to it on a moral level. It's just like, it's, it's not, I don't know. There's better jokes out there you could make. Yeah, I mean, exactly. There's just funnier stuff than like, oh boy, oh, he's got a, oh, he's bald. Like, yeah, okay. We've been doing that bit. Like, like the best bald joke in the world is Bugs Bunny massaging Elmer Fudd's head to the barber yes. of Seville. Like you can't top that if unless you're gonna have them doing doing that to to uh, Doctor Hanover's scalp, then, then don't even bother. Get out of there. I completely agree. In fact, I just looked up this. Uh, it said now, I this is clinicexpert.com. So oh great. You know. Well, yeah, they're an expert from a <laughs> clinic. Fact check me, but it says by the age of 21, 25% of men are thought to uh, have been somewhat bald with a male pattern. Mm. Uh, which is I, my whole point of looking that up was like, it's so ubiquitous that like, why is baldness even something even remotely something to make fun of? Just like being a little pudgy, like mm. literally every dude in his middle age gets a little pudgy. Why is it something to make fun of? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, you start to, but of course we start to ask these questions. Then it gets to the same core of like, and why do men need to write big tomes about how manliness is liking steaks and beers and things like that? It's like, it all, it all comes back to these are the uh, important questions. We need to uncover that. Yes. Why we're doing two hour episodes. Uh, Okay. That's, that's why we're doing two hour episodes. Good. Okay. Well, we've, (laughs) we've cracked that. Why, why do men record very long podcasts with kind of uh, ill-defined parameters? Um, I'm sorry. I would never. Maybe, maybe they would be shorter episodes if we had better parameters. Yeah, you're right, Landon. I would never. I would never criticize our parameter selection. Um, yeah. So I also I don't get why they need Jill calling out Gregory to Doctor Hanover's fate because because you know the, as as we know the what will go on we'll see Mark's movie in which Jill talks a bunch of shit about Doctor Hanover and his bad comb over. Yeah. And then 
the rest of it is, oh my gosh, was Dr. Hanover in the room when, when he saw me talking about how pompous he is and how bad his hair is? Oh gosh, oh man, he yeah. heard me talking about his hair in the movie. It doesn't come back around to, which I think is the worst offense, which is saying to a guy's face, hey, your kid sucks, he's lame, and you're a bad parent. Like, that's that's the realness, that's the thing that I that seems the most... Uh, of, of a problem but it seems like that doesn't really carry on beyond this one scene so i don't know why they had to have it like again why does gregory need to be a character <laughs> gregory does not need to be a character uh, except that i guess they needed i don't know yeah they're well okay I, i'm i'm <laughs> i'm going into the logistic side of my brain in the writer's room Uh-oh. for home improvement uh Okay, you need to be able to connect Brad's or uh oh god, dollar in the jar. Oh, Mark's man. Uh, yeah. Mark's video premiere night at school with Jill's professor. That's an interesting problem. Okay, sure. how do we do that? Yeah. We need to the easiest way is to make one of Professor Hanover's kids in Mark's class. Okay. Sure. Great. Great. How do we introduce that idea? Well, what if Mark and his kid somehow work together and they end up being at the same premiere night because we need to introduce the idea of Hanover's kid early on. I can see how they get there. I mean, that all kind of holds water to me to a certain degree. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I just, it, it, it seems like it could just be as simple as they get there. Oh, what are you doing here? Oh, this is my son or daughter. She's in. She's in Mark's class. Yeah. No yeah, lines right. from the kid. It's like, yeah, that, that's that's all I need yeah. to get my head around it. And then it's and then he's in class to you're see right. the thing. So yeah, I we're am in right. season eight. We're in sitcom land, and we're in season eight. I think yeah, you're right. We can take some liberties with shortcuts. Hell yeah, uh, we can. Yeah, and you're right. So Gregory, get the fuck out of here. What are you doing here? Yeah, Gre- Gregory. Uh, off you go boing into the sun um God. yeah i know that, that 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 was harsh but also i don't know maybe he'll like it up there there's um no one can see uh, him masticate okay. in space we go into... no one can see you masticate not gonna i gotta touch that with a 10-foot pole um from a spaceship let's wash your hands go after. before before we go to mark's uh movie i wanted to read you um some of the other uh Students and their their videos okay. uh, that are on the chalkboard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I cannot see the first one for the life of me. I think it's called Chess. If I had to guess, it's by s- someone's named s- something Winston. Ooh. Although I'm not 100% about that. It's just called Chess. Okay. Uh, then there's Jeffrey Marshall, who we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, his is called Why Me. All right. <laughs> the next student is Billy Bones. What a name. Billy Bones. He's, you know, Ray Liotta is, is narrating about him as we drift <laughs> through a nightclub. Uh, and if you're wondering, like, oh, my God, what a name, Billy Bones. Uh, his is called What's in a Name. <laughs> it's good. Uh, Why didn't Damien... we meet that kid? That kid sounds cool. <laughs> Damien Destad. Uh, I can't see the full title of this. It's just called White Ace... AC something. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Harris did a film called My Mom. Oh, My boy. My Mom. <laughs> no, no, not even, not okay. Not even a little My bit. Mom. Of no, stop it. I, I will say a corn not. to you. Corn, corn, corn. Hey, hey, no, no, no. 
Corn doesn't work like you're spraying water in my face like I'm a dog. Eventually, eventually it will. You, listen, you listen just to gross Gro- me out. L- listen to Grotwork Nights to understand why I was just yelling corn at Landon. Um, okay. All right. Uh, la- uh, we have Bruce Fox called Why, uh, Why Something, and I could see this one in another shot. And then Marks is my family. Um, let me see what Bruce is. Bruce <laughs> Fox was called. You know, Ma- I- why? Why me? Mm. No. Yeah, there's a lot of why me's. No. These. Yeah. This is a morose this class. Is God, these kids. Uh, why me's? Why would they do that? I. You know. Also, Brad. Come on, man. You could do a better title than my family, dude. <laughs> you're 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 more creative than it's that. Also, we Mark, not bit. Brad. Well, you know what, Brad. You know what, Brad. That's on par for you. Give me a second. I'm pulling fifty bucks out of my out of my my wallet here. Mark, you could do a lot better than my family. Brad would choose that, but Mark, you are the creative one. You would come up with a much better option. Wait a minute. I I just want to see this real quick because I think we might have a midsummer situation on our hands. Oh no. Uh, we we have okay. Jeffrey Marshall's is why me with one question mark, and then Bruce Fox's is. Why me with two question marks? <laughs> and it it's like it's like the movie Midsummer where the guy decides to do the same thesis as as the one who's been working on it all semester. Um Okay. That's okay. funny. That's, that's funny. rough. That, yeah, that is that is that is pretty bad. I, I hate when that happens. Um okay. Let's go to Marx. What do we see in Marx? Uh, so Marx's documentary is about how his family isn't as normal as they seem, and we get this illustrated by one shot of Brad, like these are hidden camera, you know, uh, handheld. Mark seems to be peering around a corner with the camera of Brad trying to scratch his back and then using a fork from the drawer to do it and then putting it back. And then another shot of Jill complaining to Brad about how Dr. Hanover is such a pompous ass and he's, uh, you know, he's got an awful haircut, this terrible comb over. It's so bad. And then, Cut back to Mark saying, those are the tailors, and if they're a typical American family, this country's in trouble. Uh, <laughs> Which is 100% funny, because I 100% clocked that as, this country's fucked in yeah. my head. <laughs> well, and, and he's right about that. The country is fucked. But I got, like, he has not really supported his thesis. Like, one kid scratches his back with a fork, and a mom complains about her boss, and that's... What are we learning here? That seems very yeah. normal. He he needs an oversight committee. <laughs> yeah, to defend his thesis. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mark is the one who has defending to do here, but no, he gets a pass. This is this is also such just shit work from Mark compared to the other movies he's made. He half-assed the fuck out of this project. <laughs> I, uh, I well, I don't know. I got questions about that. I, granted, we don't see the whole thing. We we're kind of we're, we're giving clips. Of it, so mm. I, I I don't want to judge till I see the whole thing. He's taking a completely denouement with it, which is more Brian De Palma than Hitchcock, like he oh. did in the first one. Of course, of course. Uh, I okay. I have a lot to talk about th- with this, but talk. Is there more to synopsize? Uh, I mean, only that once the movie is over, Jill is mortified that this information has has come out, and Doctor Hanover has seen it. But then Doctor Hanover mm. is gone when she checks, so it's up in mm. the air. Did he see it? Did he not see it? And I have an answer to that question. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Well, why don't, why don't you talk about it? He did see it. Okay. Cool. Well, anyway, thanks for listening, guys. We're uh, we're done. 
Uh, well, there, there's there's video evidence of it because as Jill's watching it, she has her hand over her mouth. She's like, oh, my God, I can't believe he caught this on camera. We do see in the background uh, the it's cropped in a way where we can't 100 percent see their faces. But we do see Jeffrey and we see next to Jeffrey a hand earlier in the scene. We see Dr. Hanover sit down next to Jeffrey. So it's 100 percent Dr. Hanover's hand in the shot in which Jill is responding to watching herself say those things. Wow. So we, the, the sleuthing, you know, uh, has, has, uh, won the day. We, sl- we did, we did the thing. That was, uh, that, that, that was, th- yeah, that was the, the catchphrase that, uh, Sherlock Holmes used at the end of every mystery, right? The sleuthing has won the day. <laughs> Why not? I, I think because it's not a great catchphrase, that's probably why they didn't use it. But, I mean, again, th- that was something you came up with off the dome. I'm just suggesting that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle could have, like, I, with forethought, come up with a better catchphrase. I want it on a shirt. Sleuthing has won the day. Okay, fans, make us some merch. That, that's how it works, right? There's the shirt yep, that exactly. says the sleuthing has won the day, and there's the shirt that says this is good enough. Um... And you know what? Look, maybe that's the approach that Brad took with the movie also, is that he... he... Mark. I'm tired, man. I'm tired. <laughs> You're working on a deck. I'm standing up. I it, It's just a lot. Dollar in the jar. That's the approach that Mark took with the movie, though. Is oh just He didn't even use a tripod for a lot of it. He just, he just kind of took some hidden camera footage of his family and called it a documentary. Well, I don't know. I mean, he is capturing something um now okay well let's break this open a little bit i i'm partial to documentaries i like documentaries i kind of like the fly on the wall approach to documentary um what he's doing seems a little more voyeuristic which is questionable to me in terms of why you're doing it to your family but yeah um it's it's something i mean it's not i don't think it's nothing I mean, you know, it's questionable why he's doing voyeuristic documentaries about his family, but last week he and Brad were watching porn with their family in the room. So I, I guess yeah. I guess they have they have an interesting <laughs> approach to what's acceptable with their family. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Um I know it's showing it is showing a slice of the life uh, slice in the life of the Taylor family. Well, okay, then show me that slice of the Taylor family's life, but don't come in and render judgment at the end like, "Oh boy, these people are fucked up." It's like, "Okay, that's sh- show that's us the fair. clips and let us draw our own conclusions like a good documentary." I mean, to be fair, Roger Moore, Roger Moore? No. Yeah, Roger Michael Moore, Moore, James Bond. <laughs> Roger Moore had already had his influence. Right now, Michael Moore in Michigan was doing uh, doing some pretty big things in documentary. You, you, you know what? You you can you can make me put money in the jar for mixing up the two boys who are brothers, but you have to put money in the jar for mixing up James Bond and Michael Moore. That's just that's gonna take us <laughs> that. That's at least four dollars. All right, I'll I'll spend four dollars on that one. Uh, yeah. So. I don't know what I mean. What what else? What else is there to say about about the movie? Uh, before the movie starts, Jill has to prod Tim to wake up because he's fallen asleep, and we get about seventy five uh, years of bits of Tim making a show of wiping drool off the desk where he's been asleep, like just so 
like the camera lingers so long, almost as though the performer was directing it of just, just like wipe the drool off the desk, wipe it off again, wipe the drool off your sleeve, wipe off the desk once more, wipe off the other sleeve, wipe the sleeve <laughs> against your jacket, wipe off the desk again. Like just, okay, we get it. He drooled on the desk cause he was asleep. Yes. I agree with you though. When, um, after Mark's movie's over and Jill says, did doctor or did professor Hanover see that, you know, is he still here? Uh, she tells Tim to look, but don't make it obvious. The way <laughs> Tim's little physical comedy of of leaning back in this you know child's desk was kind of funny to me. It was a little nice bit of physical humor, but it was concise. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, true, true. <laughs> because so much time was spent on the drool wiping stuff, it had to be concise. <laughs> yeah. I, I, okay. Here's. One thing that never really comes into play here, which is, I think, kind of interesting in in talking about the conflict of the episode. The conflict becomes Jill's embarrassment over what she said and Dr. Hanover seeing it. It is almost not at all about Mark's betrayal of Jill's trust in, in capturing something. It's addressed a little bit in the next scene, but, uh, that, that's really not given any weight whatsoever in this episode yes it's it's not and and kind of again to to its detriment that this is an episode about mark realizing his passion jill realizing her passion the way that those two things collide and we don't really explore a lot of what it means for either one of them mark doesn't even seem to care that much that he may have sidelined his mom's entire academic career I mean, do you think Brett, uh, 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 Mark, uh, why the fuck? Uh, this is uh, what, we're at the end. We are just cramming dollars in the jar. Yeah. Uh, the, I'm the, so sorry, Laren, if you're still keeping count. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll get, we'll give the dollars to her. The, yeah. The, uh, do you think Mark knew that her professor w- would be in the audience for this? I don't know. It seems to me more and more like Mark is has become the new trickster god on the show, and his only motivation is to uh, uh, create chaos. It, I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm. He probably, you know, oh, Gregory Hanover. Uh, he's probably seen Gregory's movie with. It's Dr. not Gregory Hanover. Hanover though. That's the whole thing. That's, oh, it's you know, a stepson. He's a stepson. Oh, okay. It's, uh, yeah, his name is Gregory. Uh, Marshall, but Gregory has probably mentioned my dad. I I don't know. Maybe 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 kids don't sit around and talk about what their dad's last names are all the time. Yeah, I think there's plausible deniability here. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Fair. I I, I don't know. Busted. I okay. <laughs> Mark busted. Um. Uh, yeah. I I I don't I don't know what Mark's real motive here is. I think he just I I think he just thought that it was good content. But honestly, it's not even really good content. The only people who really care about this uh, are 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 Jill and Doctor Hanover, and it just happens that they're both yeah. in class when this thing airs. Okay. So you and I are Mark's oversight committee. I think we need to. Uh compile our notes and let them know you need to go back and work on your thesis. It's not very clear the point you're trying to make, uh, but it's very clear you have a passion for this and you have a talent for, for capturing things. So just hone your voice a little bit more, go back to the drawing board and, and really define what it is you want to say. Yeah. And add more lip syncing, I think also would help (laughs) with everyone, but your dad thumbs up. Yes. Uh, show Uh, tunes, thumbs up a voyeurism thumbs down. Okay. Yeah. Transition. We get a, a report card, F-, minus, which isn't a Uh-oh. thing. Uh, 
crumpling up and taking us to the next scene where Brad is walking into uh, the kitchen where Jill is on the phone trying to get in touch with Dr. Hanover. Yes. Uh, and, you know, Brad is upset that Jill is tying up the phone line and he can't use his own phone line because he's downloading some hot pictures from Denmark. Horny. Uh, and Jill uh, has been trying to reach Dr. Hanover but can't. She calls, you know, Mark comes in and she's mad at him for being so irresponsible about what he showed in the movie. And then eventually she's able to uh, call Dr. Hanover's house and uh, gets Gregory on the phone. And Gregory suggests that Dr. Hanover was not in the room when that scene aired in the documentary because he got paged. So who knows what Dr. Hanover saw? Well, we do because we look at the footage. Well, yes, we do. But but Jill does not like this. This seems to be setting up something of of oh oh did he see it or didn't he oh how should i react what do i do do yeah. i apologize do i not which right. doesn't really fully get get the the whole juice um <laughs> yeah and and you know, much yeah. this, in the same way that jill goes after mark for filming that without her consent and mark kind of says oh i'm sorry in the future i'll show you before i put it in the movie and she says okay and that's that's the end of that so that's much the end of that. that. Yep. I don't know that we see Mark at all for the rest of the episode. Yeah, nope. He goes <laughs> off to work on the hot rod again or something. <laughs> um, okay. There are a couple of things here that we need to break open. Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's start with uh, let's start with Brad and the internet. <sighs> okay. Yes. Let's <laughs> again. So yeah. So. Oh, but mom, I need to make a call. Why don't you use your phone line? I can't. I'm downloading some hot pictures from Denmark of Danishes. I'm Danishes. Pictures of Danishes. A lot. So many questions. So, again, it's like this is the same level as, oh, I'm going to put on a porno movie while my mom and dad are in the room. Brad just being like. I'm downloading uh, sexy pictures on my computer. This weird openness with his parents about porn. Well, okay, I don't, God, I don't know what to, I don't know what to say about that. (laughs) I mean, are you conflicted about it? I mean, yeah, it's very, I I don't know what to say about that specifically, the openness with his parents. I'm I'm more interested in talking about what the writing and the jokes they're trying to get away with to an audience are. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Okay. There's just like Tim walking in saying, smell my finger. Yeah. This has something that I'm not sure. I'm curious if you caught it. And I'm even hesitant to bring it up because I feel like a perv even mentioning it. Brad is making a a gesture with his hands. When, when, when Jill gets on the phone and then he gestures something to Mark and they, and they run upstairs. Well, oh, there's that as well no this is when he goes i'm downloading pictures from denmark uh and he's making a, a gesture with his hand and then he kind of opens it up a little bit and says of danishes yeah it's the same gesture that oh forgive me if i get this wrong i think it was triple h there was a wrestler or maybe it was diamond dallas page there was a wrestler who would make a gesture with his hand and then hump it basically like pump it against his crotch gotcha and then you know explode his arms out nice and this might be conjecture from me because it wasn't part of the wrestling era that i watch but to my mind it was always like i'm calling you a pussy Mm -hmm. where brad's making that same exact gesture just not at his crotch 
with his hands and then turns it into a gesture of a Danish. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know. It, well, Are you debating whether or not you're going to edit this part out? I'm not debating whether I'm going to edit this part out. I didn't really see, I didn't see the gesture he made in that moment so much as I saw the gesture he made moments later to Mark of that are basically like telegraphing to him, hey, I've got hot pictures on my computer up in my room, let's go look, and they both run off screen to go do it. It, it's, it's just this weird turn to, uh, I, I don't know, and again, I'm not saying it's wrong to acknowledge that teenage boys like to look at porn. I, I've just, it's it's odd that in the last few episodes, suddenly Brad has become so horny so quickly and is now encompassing <laughs> everyone else with it. Uh, it's not just Brad, uh, but, I mean, because Tim was going to go masturbate, he was going to go masticate to <laughs> whales and elephants a Cer- certainly ago. true certainly true i mean it's just that Br- brad has like that's been a running bit like he you know i'm gonna go to florida and there's gonna be no tops in the hot tub hey dad can i watch shakespeare in lust like like brad brad right. has been leaning into it the hardest of the th- of of the characters yeah agreed and you know i think it's just there's something there's kind of a uh on the fringes of this episode, going back to the the beginning, the, the with the the brothers on tool time, to this where you know as Brad's miming all of this to to Mark, there's just like he's got his tongue in the corner of his mouth, like hey, I got these fucking triple X photos up on my computer, dude. We got a, like there's this kind of gross undercurrent to it that. I think subconsciously has worked its way into my mind in this episode where I'm just like, I, I don't feel comfortable with anything that is going on here or went on at all in the 1990s. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can we, can we just put the 1990s in the washing machine for a little while? I look, I, I fully agree. Put it in the washing machine, put some bleach in there, take a shower. <laughs> well, it's, yes. you know, and, and then, and then we all, we all sit down afterwards and have a, just a very open talk about how we're going to go forward. Yeah, yeah, it's yes. it's a it's a weird energy. It's a weird energy for this scene. Um, I I I miss I miss Brad. Be like I like Brad the doofy jock. I don't like Brad the yeah. horny jock quite as much. I don't I don't. It's mixed with like, it's it's that mixed with the like him and and Tim kind of fist bumping the the comb over jokes where it's just like they're kind of bullying and they're kind of you know assuming this gross you know, mentality about porn and like, I don't know. It's just death by a thousand cuts. It's just kind of accumulating grossness to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I get it. It, it all kind of stacks up. Look, let's, let's, get, let's move away from the horniness and instead talk about uh, some weirdly shoehorned camera work. How about that? Would that, would that be better? Would that help? It sounds good, especially because our transition out of the scene is a donkey kick. Okay, great. From a claymation donkey. Uh, Well, well, because Jill goes and makes the call again to try and talk to Dr. Hanover, and and we cut to Dr. Hanover's house where Gregory is on the phone, and it's we get this shot of a you know the 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 phone receiver and and then which is on an end table next to a closet door. The door is cracked open and the cord for the phone goes into the closet and we can see like Gregory's hand and his, and his watch 
holding the phone, but not really his face. Like, we see him. He's sitting in the closet through the cracked door. And it's just mm-hmm. watching. It's like, what the what the fuck? What This is weird and <laughs> out of place. This does not look normal. And that establishes, this is, yeah. This is what I was earmarking earlier in the episode. This is yes. what I, I was foreshadowing for the deep dive. Where it is not acknowledged at all that Gregory is taking this phone call with Jill from the bottom of a closet. Like, that is not, there's no mention of it one, whatsoever. I feel like it's he's just kind of... I I, I, feel, I feel like he says something about it, like oh I had to take the call from the closet because, like because of anxiety or he had to sit in the closet because he's so mortified by the reaction to his documentary or something like that. I I, I don't I know. Mean, I don't. I I could be wrong because uh, it is playing in the background but on silent, so I can't hear what he's saying. But I I I don't think they ever actually mention the closet they don't pull that out they do say you know the reaction is you know he his anxiety about that he definitely mentions that i don't i don't think they mention he he calls out the closet part so it just it felt weird to me either way it's like you're bringing this weird ass character into this episode with this weird ass energy and then suddenly we're trying to deal with jill's problem but you're distracting at to your point about the camera work you're distracting from Jill's problem by putting this weird ass character in a weird ass closet and explaining his weird ass reaction to his weird ass movie. Yes. And, and the whole thing, it it is just, it is a weird setup for a weird setup sake. They they didn't need to do it this way, but it, it was, it really feels like Tim Allen trying to do a stylistic flourish because yeah I, I, i've heard that that tim allen really is like a, a film buff he loves kurosawa movies like he's really in into fine cinema and that's great really? it Where just the fuck did you hear that I, I heard this on an episode of blank check with griffin and david when they were talking about the santa claus and how tim allen okay. supposedly has I... a screening room and a huge collection of kurosawa films and is very into this stuff and it's just well i'm gonna sit down to talk to him about rashomon because well there are a few perspectives i feel like missing from this episode i you know yeah like i i remember it differently too um but i think that he you know so it's this this is like kind of an artsy shot it just is so out of place with everything else that we're seeing that it then takes me out of the episode which is the opposite of what good directing is yeah and it, it okay so the, we're going to talk a little bit about his directing uh, and i'm i have a comment to make specifically on that point but it, it it it's more potent in the next scene okay do you want to go to the next scene let's go to the next scene we get Donkey kicked into the uh <laughs> the academic office where three people are going to be overseeing jill's thesis while she tries to defend it better to get donkey kicked than donkey punched so we're there in the <laughs> office Dr. Hanover is late <laughs> showing up, and uh, Jill is very nervous because she still doesn't know if Hanover saw the film or not. And then um, when he arrives, they uh, start discussing the thesis, and Dr. Hanover's initial comment is that it's quite uh, quite solid, but then he says that there's a few things that he and the committee feel like were sort of off about it. And as they start to describe their criticisms... Both Jill and members of the committee keep using words that refer to hair, and Jill cannot stop looking at Dr. Hanover's bald head and making comments that seem to tie back to his bald head. 
and things, uh, which, things which don't he go well. shaved. He he shaved over the shaved off the comb over for this. I don't yes. think you mentioned that. Yeah, part. yeah, yes. The, the the comb over is gone, and now he's just bald. Um, yeah. so not, yeah, not Bruce Willis bald, but Bird's Nest bald. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, Stanley Tucci bald, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they they talk. Uh, you know, but so it, it it there are there are criticisms coming in, and Jill is kind of struggling to uh, defend her thesis properly because she's so nervous about what she said about Doctor Hanover. Yeah. Um. Okay. So to continue the conversation about the directing. Um. Yes. One. It's interesting. I. I I don't know that I would clock Tim Allen as a cinephile. I'd be curious. I'd love to have a conversation with him about it and, and get to the bottom of it. But I will say he does take a Citizen Kane approach here where it's a long table and they put the advisors at one end and Jill at the other. And he directs it in a way where they're never in the same shot together. So Jill just feels small and alone at her end of the table. Yes. It's it's a little distracting personally. Yes. Like, it's like that just feels like weird blocking. Yes, <laughs> it, it doesn't quite get the effect that I think he's going for. But um, the other thing is, and this is the more important point that I wanted to make is, if you get him wanting to get these artistic flourishes, and you combine that with this kind of, I don't even know how I want to define it, a certain generation or maybe a certain brand of comedy mentality your your tim allen your jerry seinfeld uh maybe your your mainstream comedians your you know people that that show up in the comedy store or the laugh factory Mm -hmm. who have like they have a belief in objective comedy this is funny yeah this is the way this is the way you construct a joke for humor to work yes and it doesn't matter what it's about you can make anything funny if you, f- you know, work it and find the formula for it. And usually, blah, 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 blah. I, you know, with my experience, I know what funny is. Yeah. Right. Maybe that's just me. But when you watch enough behind the scenes conversations with comedians, you kind of pick up that sense of, you know, like watch Tim Allen on Norm McDonald's show. Mm-hmm. Uh, or watch Jerry Seinfeld on any comedians in cars getting coffee, and you'll you'll get a sense of like I understand what funny is, and when you work the joke, you find what the funny is. Yes. So you combine that with his artistic flourishes flourishes in directing here, and you get the rack focus between Jill's eyes and his bald head, <sighs> yeah. and back to Jill's eyes, and it's just like I can hear his argument for for going. That's comedy, baby. I you know that's how you point the joke out. Yeah, and there, I'm like, there's no hair on his head, and she keeps saying things that remind us that there's no hair on his head, and he, there's no hair on his head. Which you know, like any one of those things, I guess, could be funny, maybe, <laughs> in some world, in some time. But like making the joke and then emphasizing the joke with a visual flourish is just like, I fucking got it, dude. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't need you to point out, I don't need you to be elf in the back of the car going, (laughs) you want to know what's funny about that? Uranus. He, it's, you put, you put this rack focus in the Tim Allen directed episode up against the rack focus in the Patricia Richardson directed episode where it's, we're focused on Wilson complaining about uh, how all of the lights from 
the from Tim's floodlights are going to fuck up his plants, and then we just rack focus to Tim and kind of smiling and because of how he's angled, Wilson can't see him and his kind of self-satisfied smirk and going, oh, is that so? Like that lends an extra kind of layer to the joke that ends it adds an extra kind of subtlety. This is just yeah. hammering the joke into the ground again and again. Yeah. That said, though, there is one thing that I thought it just it, the end product ends up being very messy and not funny, but there there are p- funny potentials, little, little funny seeds in it that if it went in one direction or another, I think would have been better. But there's like what I think the funnier version of that is he also attempts to do in the scene, which is through editing and and choice of shot which is he has a, a close up uh, of the professor um from like the eyes up to his head and like after Jill says something and gets this worried expression on her face it edit you know there's a, a quick cut to this kind of awkward shot that we don't normally see which feels like it's through Jill's perspective of oh god i just mentioned something about his head and you get this weird shot of of his head it's not like the rack focus going, eh? See, eh? See? Yeah. It's more through the editing of going, oh, it, it's I don't know through more of the character lens rather than the director lens, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's trying to put us in Jill's head and show us what Jill is thinking and focusing on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where I know the the equivalent, if you want to go in 1999 era or 2001 era, is like the the um awesome powers gold member joke yes. where he can't stop talking about the mole on the guy's face <sighs> yeah which yeah exactly uh which the the joke of not being able to you know of it being a mole on the the guy's face not funny but there's something funny in the fact that he can't stop himself from making a comment which is potentially funny anyway enough from my Apple box. What do we got here? I mean, uh, there there's not a lot. I mean, it is the basic uh, Austin Powers bit of her saying stuff ab- inadvertently about his haircut, calling him Doctor Comeover at one point, etc., etc. Instead of Hanover, right? Yeah, and um, th- you know, things just are kind of taking a turn. She can't really defend her her assertions about the father son dynamic that she, because that's mm-hmm. that's what her thesis is about. Is it's about uh, I don't know how how fathers and sons process masculinity uh in the face of feminism which it was yeah the title was the father son relationship in the lens of post feminism yes which would actually love to kind of read that thesis especially from someone who's living in this house <laughs> but you know what that's fine probably not good sit- not good sitcom stuff um but yeah i mean about the only th- thing she's just gotten a bunch of criticisms in a row and she just goes so how how'd you guys like the typeface? And Doctor Hanover goes Helvetica twelve point. Yeah, we loved it, and everyone nods eagerly. So I thought that was that was funny. We haven't talked a little bit or uh, very much about uh, Doctor Hanover's character yet, and I think this might be a good place to to do it. Um, where you know he's he's kind of playing this a little. He never really draws out his insecurity about, or at least directly about um, about the comb over. And about Jill's comments, uh, but there's kind of an undercurrent to his performance that I kind of like. Yeah. But the there's a thing where what I, I kind of like about it is 
he has this kind of sense of humor, this this like little pride about himself that is funny to me. Like he's he's kind of a jokester, and we saw that in Gregory's film too. Yeah, where Gregory is you know calling out the the trauma that's happening of uh <laughs> uh you know always beating him in chess. Yeah, and uh, Doctor Hanover when he beats him in chess, it just kind of has this like self-satisfied little giggle it doesn't feel arrogant to me it, it's just like misplaced humor and there's this like twinkle in his eye that i kind of like yeah yeah no th- there is he he doesn't come off as some sort of uh, uh dean from animal house type who's just yeah. totally up his own ass he seems honestly uh, honestly i almost wonder if if jill has uh jill has been too harsh on him in her assessment because he seems like actually kind of a chill guy yeah, I agree. I I kind of I would want to hang out with him. I think. Yeah. <laughs> like I wouldn't mind having him as a a, a thesis uh, oversighter. I yeah. Know what you call that person? Uh, you'd want to hang academic. You'd want to hang out with him, but uh, stay away from Gregory. <laughs> yes. Um. So that's all I have to say about Doctor Hanover. Do you want to keep going? Yeah. Let's keep Let's keep moving on. So. Tim's burning something in the kitchen. Yep, Tim has burned something in the kitchen. Jill comes home and announces she's got to rewrite her thesis by Friday, which means that either Dr. Hanover hates Jill or just hates her work. So that's uh, that's kind of it. And then Jill just launches into rewriting her uh, rewriting her thesis over the next couple days. Yeah, we get... Okay, now, Truman, I know... We're at length already for this episode, yep. but you know what? These are the last couple episodes. Let's let's give the people what they want. We're yeah, give them longer episodes. They, yeah, that's what they that's what they want. They really want it. They want to milk every hour out of this. <laughs> yeah, I think so. We get a we get a transition of Jill's thesis paper, and I thought I thought we can read a little bit of it. Great. Yeah, let's read a little bit of Jill's I mean, thesis paper. The episode didn't give her any pomp and circumstance. Let's let's celebrate Jill's thesis here. Yeah. Okay. First of all, there's red marking all over it, and we'll get to that in a second, but it has an F- minus on it. Okay. Which, again, F- minus is not an actual grade. Yeah. Uh, seems seems it's called harsh also because they, they said that they overall liked it and just had some notes. Yeah. Right, exactly. Uh, it's called Jill's Taylor Jill Taylor's Thesis. Great Jill title. Jill is circled in red pen, Ooh. and there's a little doodle of a, uh, a sad woman i'm guessing wearing a dunce hat that ah. also seems a little harsh yeah um okay i'm gonna i'm just gonna read this and then we'll, we'll cu- cut through some stuff here uh the conclusions presented by the following research is derived from my own experience and should be taken as fact and i don't care what you think so there wow the father and son dynamic is what i tell them to do and i don't care what they think either nice my uh my something which is cross up with red pen is uh, in this. Oh, my part in this relationship is all that really matters. And you can say what you will. And I do not care. The mother son relationship is whatever I want it to be. And the kids can take and like it. Do you really care how a teenage boy feels about the changing role of women in society? I, uh, they have to figure it out on their own. Uh, can you really come to any conclusions based on research? The data created by interviews will never really be true because each person lives their own life and has very different experiences. If I hear about the, uh, if I hear about one more poll about what the researchers have told, uh, told me what I think I will scream. 
All research data is inaccurate because the questions can be structured to fit what the research wants you to think. Damn. <laughs> Polls are not. <laughs> uh, I can't read any anymore. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'd, I'd give her, uh, I, I mean, I can, I would give her uh, very, very high marks for this. This would be, this would be an A plus from me. <laughs> I don't know. This is, this is very into Q territory for me. I mean, well, I, I don't think it's into Q territory. I mean, I think I, I honestly agree with a this lot is, of her issues. This is science denialism. I, I mean, is it science denialism or is it someone who has had so much of their life chewed up by academia that they've just gone off the deep end? I kind of like it. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I, I don't have an, I like that Jill is, is so confident. I like that she doesn't feel like she needs to cite her sources. I wish that more, more <laughs> women felt free to just charge head headlong into, into what they believe and not, uh, you know, and, and, and just, and be unapologetic about it. I think it's great. Oh my God. I, I've been waiting for a little bit of something like this where no one expected anyone in the history of home improvement audiences to pause and actually read this Mm -hmm. yes (laughs) uh and i i've been waiting for that one rogue uh prop person to (laughs) to put together something kind of insane and get it past uh get it past over it seems like even the jim prater and the transition people uh which is the name of my next band (laughs) is um is taking the like last couple episodes in stride going no one's gonna stop us from doing this. Uh, yeah, yeah. Every, everybody is everybody's finishing strong in their own way. For for Tim, it seems to be making the show hornier. For the uh, transition people, it's making the transitions denser. A- everybody is is going out doing their strongest stuff. Yeah. Uh, w- just one note I want to make about this. A well, two notes. One, whenever she says there, it's spelled incorrectly. Oh, okay. Which I think it's kind of interesting. F minus. Yeah, F minus for that. That's a problem. <laughs> In the very first sentence, when she says the conclusions presented by the following research is derived from my own experience, um, there's a note in red pen which crosses out experience and just says, "You have no experience." Oh God. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I look. I just. I'm glad we went in that corner. It filled me with joy. I, well, I, I, I am too. I was initially going to argue that it was a writer's room PA who, who wrote all this stuff up, but the fact that the theirs are spelled wrong. Yeah. That was a, that was a props person or one of Jim Prater's crew. Definitely. (laughs) Um, okay. That takes us to Jill reworking her thesis and Brad is bringing her some printed pages. Yes. And she just, uh, you know, she has him proofread some of it about how, uh, adolescent males are confused by the dichotomy between feminism and, uh, patriarchal society. And Brad says he thinks it's great because he is a confused adolescent male. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know what it is? What is the gold chain? It's the gold chain he's wearing. The gold chain is tough. I seeing that, I was like, (laughs) oh man, you, you, you shoved me into a locker. Cause yeah, that's the, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you should you shoved me into a locker and then you went home and you and you you know looked at some danish porn oh god um also who who gets porn from denmark i'm i'm sorry I, i'm just like i it's like german it's porn i know what you're thinking about uh, uh japanese porn i get an idea what kind of fetish is danish porn it's it, it really is about danishes yeah <laughs> 
Or, you know, this was 1999. There were a lot of things going on with pastries at that time. I, 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 you know what? I suppose that's true. I suppose that's true. The, the, the pie is one kind of experience, but if you want the really freaky stuff, you use a Danish. <laughs> uh, we get some papers spewing out of the printer that say help, and they take us to the backyard where Jill is finding Wilson trying to woo a bat. Yes, he's using a tape recorder that has uh, recordings of a bat's mating call, and he's uh, up on a ladder playing that near the eaves of his house trying to get the bat to come out. And uh, Jill asks Wilson what he thought of her thesis, and he kind of hems and haws, and eventually she gets him to admit that he thinks that it blows, and he liked her original version better. And Jill agrees that she liked the original version before she rewrote it to try and match Dr. Hanover's notes, and uh, Wilson encourages her to go ahead and write the version that she wants to write and not worry about the others, and does this by talking about a play he wrote in college where he uh, rewrote it heavily uh, on the uh, recommendation of his other members of his theater group, and although the play was successful, Wilson was never happy about it because he didn't do what he wanted to do. Hmm. Mm Hmm. Which, I I mean, I think that's... I, I think that the sentiment in this scene is really beautiful of... Do your own thing. Don't be worried about what other people want. You're the one putting in the work. You should create the thing that you want the most. Also, because I have gotten a lot of really infuriating notes about my pilot from my manager and have decided, fuck her and all of her dumb ideas. I want to make the show that I want to make. But I also (laughs) feel like we're on like moral three for the episode at this point. It's like, is is this a show about her making fun of a guy's haircut? Or is this a show about... Uh, Mark uh, uh, filming her without her consent, or is this a show about being true to your uh, what you want to do? Like, y- y- you you don't need you don't need this. Like, we don't need uh, the whole setup of her making fun of Doctor Hanover's hair. If if then it's going to become an episode about don't get too wrapped up in what right you know in in writing the piece for someone else. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It should have started there. Yes, exactly. Like, it it should have started with the oversight committee and her struggling through the rest of the episode and Mark Mark filming her while she's rewriting and she says something off the cuff about Dr. Hanover boom while she's frustrated doing it boom yeah, yeah. boom yeah but but also you know what the home improvement writers shouldn't listen to our notes they should write the episode they want to write and it's <laughs> which, this episode which they did yeah they got senioritis oh boy uh i know the feeling though um also, I don't know what you thought, but I feel like the 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 shooting in this in this scene also the way the camera was set up and the kind of uh of angles and approach to to it and everything it's like this also feels like Tim Allen being especially splashy with this scene yeah i I mean we know we've seen you know two hundred Wilson scenes at this point, like I know how a Wilson scene's supposed to go. I don't need it to get flashy, just yeah like. Can't give me the perspective and let's get out of here. Yes, we don't need it. We don't need an angle on him from the roof of his house, holding up the tape recorder and waving it around with Jill far away in the background, walking up to the fence behind him. It's like, well, okay. I don't know if this makes it any easier to see what's going on here. I, I guess I don't really even have a problem with that because we usually get some sort of weird boom shot into Wilson's side of the fence to take us into those scenes, but. It was more the back and forth, like there's a, a kind of a tricky try to squeeze a joke out of Jill popping up, you know, a weird close up of her popping up over the fence to look at Wilson. And yeah. It's just like, can we can we just stick to the same back and forth? Yeah. Would be nice, wouldn't it? <clears throat> anyway, yeah. um, we get some bats. I think there are bats uh, taking us to 
the uh yeah we get a bat taking us to the same uh, oversight room and it's just her and dr hanover this time unless there's something about that scene you want to talk about no not not no we got the we we got the 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 moral out there yeah yeah and you know i don't pay attention to wilson scenes exactly check Uh, check right the hell out I am pushing forward. She goes to talk to Dr. Hanover one-on-one about her thesis, hands it in, and uh, what goes on here? Uh, she gives him the the updated thesis and says, I didn't implement a lot of your notes because I can only write this in a way that makes sense to me, and I think you were overly critical of my work. And he goes, because you called me a pompous jackass? And she apologizes for all the stuff that, that she said, which I guess he did see in the in the in the movie and he explains that even though uh her remarks were crude about him he didn't take that into account in his analysis of his work uh, or his analysis of her work uh he thought the thesis was good uh, but he thought she did a bad job of defending it and the reason that she that he was so critical of it was because he wanted to see her stand up and defend her work and she wasn't able to because she was too flustered over the awkward situation and he basically tells her, "Yeah, you'll be a fine psychologist. Uh, you and you're you'll be you know be, this experience has prepared you, and you won't be thrown by unexpected stuff your clients tell you." So, uh, yeah. And then and then as she's leaving, he asks her opinion on a wig, which he puts on, and she says, "Well, you can wear it, but can you defend it?" Which is yeah, it's all right. But I, <laughs> so th- this, this yeah yeah this scene, I I mean Patricia Richardson is great. Uh, the actor peter michael Getz, who we'll talk about in a second playing dr hanover great performances uh it's not even a poorly written scene necessarily in and of itself but as a conclusion to the episode as you mentioned in the last scene like i don't quite know where we're landing with this like so what we're to take of this is like oh everything would have been fine if jill had if Dr. Hanover had realized, oh, maybe there's some conflict uh, of interest for me overseeing her thing at this precise moment in time until we speak about it, and she's going to be fine, I'm going to be fine, we're all going to be fine, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. what, what's the what's the conclusion here? I don't quite get where we land. I, I, I don't I don't either. The episode is about, like, three different things, and then the ending is just sort of... Yeah, you said a bunch of mean stuff about me and my kid, but I'm not going to be mad about it in the same way that, like, that you know, she's so worried about, fl- oh, I, I do I have to flirt to get this this job, you know, last season or something with, right. you know, with this uh, academic guy. And then in she is behaving very strangely and erratically in the interview because she's going back and forth on whether to flirt or not. And then she explains everything that she's thinking and he just goes, well, I don't do that sort of stuff. And then even though she's behaved very strangely in the interview, still gets the job. It's like the same kind of thing where, where it, it doesn't make sense that this guy, that she would say all this shit, this guy would hear it, and then he'd just be like, yeah, it was really rude, but I didn't, I didn't take it into account at all. Like, well, so, so deus ex machina, deus ex really (laughs) unrealistically cool professor. Like, I would rather he be mad about it and have judged her too harshly. And then Jill comes back and like, apologizes and they hash it out and have a discussion. He's like, you're right. I'm sorry. I was too hard. Right. There's not really anything for Jill to do here. You know, he, cause he's already decided to be chill. I completely agree. Yeah. I know. It just doesn't work. Um, and you know, it's one of those things where you just, 
put a wig on it and, you know, distract the viewers from thinking, you know, anything, which is literally what they do. Yeah. It's like, well, we didn't really wrap anything up here today, but aren't wigs funny? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, 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 this episode is bald and it's trying to cover it up and uh, we can all see it, but it <laughs> pretends we won't, we won't notice. Oh, this is a come over of an episode. Yes. Um, we get a stinger where Mark is talking to Gregory uh, on the couch and Tim comes over. Uh, yeah, and and uh, he's just, uh, Gregory's lamenting that everyone calls him a mama's boy and what kind of future do I have? And Tim says, I don't know, how do you look in flannel? And then Tim does a little dance. And, uh-huh. 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 Okay, that's the end of the episode. We get some, the, the get bloomer some is one of the guys drinking beer to Drinks, wash down drink. the chili too too um, much beer isn't it fun ha <laughs> what a guy uh and i completely forgot that we have a fun thing to do here so um let's end the episode uh going to character actor corner shall yes. we yeah character actor corner what do we got okay peter michael getz is playing dr hanover he has 91 credits uh most mostly known i think as john mckenzie i believe that is the father of the groom in father of the bride part Ah, two okay um he was in my girl as dr welty uh glory jump and jack flash with whippy goldberg um i know him from quite a lot of things (laughs) like chud (laughs) yeah of course of course uh the world according to garp he's just one of those faces that i've seen a number of times throughout my life um in in things that like tv shows and movies in particular where like he's a very supporting character in a a movie that i kind of only remember um he most memorably for me though was in uh uh three episodes of twin peaks oh hello so uh he goes back to 1980 in a tv movie called act of love he was in wolfen uh, werewolf movie mm. uh, from 1981. He was in an episode of Golden Girls. Mm. <laughs> he he has a Golden Girls of... face. Yeah, he was playing a doctor, Dr. Stein. There um, you go. He was in L.A. Law playing Dr. Robert Wolf. Am Uh-oh. I leading you somewhere? Oh, you are leading me somewhere. <laughs> uh, he was on an episode of Ellen. Um, Gilmore Girls. He was in an episode of Arrested Development. Oh, playing, playing... who? Dr. Farmer. <laughs> all right, all right, okay. Uh, was he on an episode of ER? I'm going to say yes. Dude's got doctor face. Okay, well, I did a find and replace on this, and I have 140 matches, so give me a second while I cool. skip through this. <laughs> cool, skip away. He was on an episode of The West Wing. Um, the Pretender. I'm not seeing ER. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, good for him avoiding that in his career, honestly. I know. Yep. Um, no ER for Peter Michael Getz. Moving on to another one of the oversight committee, Rondi Reed. 41 credits. All right. From the astronaut's, astronaut's wife mm-hmm. to Mo Money. She was on 84 episodes of Mike and Molly. Oh. Uh, I think playing one of their parents. She goes back all the way to 1986 in a movie called One More Saturday Night, playing Mrs. Becker. She was on an episode of Roseanne, L.A. Law, 
Um, ooh, she was in the Peter Weir movie Fearless. Oh, she was on an episode of Grace Under Fire, Seinfeld. She was. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> we know her. She. Uh, this is the first time on Home Improvement, but you remember um, the the kind of fancy schmancy party in the movie Jungle to Jungle. Oh yes, I do. <laughs> she oh. was playing one of the people there. Uh, you remember the the. Um, was it fashion designer or like yeah yeah the curator yeah gets gets set on fire or something yeah she plays sarah in that nice okay well done well done well she doesn't get set on fire here does she <laughs> she she does not uh i there's a fatal attraction tv series i didn't know that there is how to get away with murder was she on er uh, i'm going to say no not on er she was not on ER. Good. Two All for right. two okay. for you. Do it Way right. to go, Do it sir. Right. Yeah. Well, I was wrong about the okay. first one, but yeah, go on. <laughs> I mean, I oh, an- yeah, I've, right. I've answered two questions, so in that case, I am you've, two for two. You've answered two for two. Way to go. Uh, playing Gregory, Kyle Sabahi. 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 I am so sorry about that. S-A-B-I-H-Y. He has 24 credits. Um, I think mostly known as Michael Sobel, the son of Billy Crystal in Analyze This and Analyze That. Okay. Okay. Uh, was he on ER? Uh, I'm going to say no, not on ER. He was not on ER. Boom. Way to go. Now I'm two for okay. three. Um, we have Chelsea Jones. Who the fuck is Chelsea Jones? Emily Hanover, the daughter. Mm. We don't get the... We don't get the actor uh, who was um, also in the oversight committee. There's three actors there. We only get huh. the two of them. Interesting. Weird. Um, okay. Chelsea Jones playing uh, the Hanover girl. Was she on ER? She uh, has three credits. Going to say no, not on ER. Was not on ER. Okay. Finally, uh, the, the, the Hoffman brothers, they're cameos, so they are ineligible for the ER game. Lastly, we have the teacher. Uh, her name is Mrs. Gamble. Gramble? Gamble? Mrs. Gr- Gamble. Uh, played by Lynn Alicia Henderson. Um, hot in Cleveland. Murder in the first. She has 108 credits. Oh, gosh. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, going all the way back to she started in 1993. Uh, she was on an episode of Melrose Place, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Seinfeld, Caroline in the City, News Radio. Holy crap! King of Queens was she on ER? Uh, yes, she was on ER. Okay. Do you want to guess how many episodes of ER she was on? Uh, she was on three episodes. She was on. 149 episodes of ER. Yes, we have a whoa season regular of ER. Good God, Home Improvement. Oh man, that's uh, that's an impressive. Okay, I was not thinking I would I would strike gold that hard. I should have guessed way more episodes. <laughs> uh, Lynn Alicia Henderson played 149 episodes as Pamela Olbs uh, on ER. Looks like uh, throughout the entire series she was. Um, in the final episode, so to the end. Wow. Okay, that's that's uh, that's good. Good for her. Good for all the money that she uh, made off of that. She is uh, she is still raking it in, probably. Indeed. Uh, okay, we're going to talk about the Von Hoffman brothers. Yes. Here. The the cameo 
at the beginning. Uh, they are playing cameos. Brant von Hoffman, the guy who takes a swig and makes a pass at Heidi, mm-hmm. is actually an actor in addition, but he's ineligible because he's playing himself here. Uh, was not on an episode of ER, but he was in uh, two of the Police Academy movies. Okay. That, he's, he's, got, <laughs> as, he's got Police Academy energy to him. Yeah, uh, as as Kyle Blanks. Um, I can't find anything about these two men except for uh, this one book they wrote. Wow. They they disappeared. He, they went into witness protection afterwards. It was that which, influential. Yeah. I, it's it's making me look at at the internet with a you know a skeptical look like I what what's what's been erased here something feel like they should have some information about them not zero information yeah that makes me feel like there's a lot of information people don't want us to know yeah yeah well I mean there's a lot we don't want to know about them based on based on why they got famous do you like them more or less than the father-son racing team of the Andretti's? Uh, you know, I think that I, I I think that they are more dynamic on camera than the Andretti brothers, but they are. But I probably I would rather have the Andretti's over to my house, uh, and you know, I would rather let them meet my family than these two, who I just naturally assume have some some nasty kind of skeevy skeletons in their closet. Yeah, and you know, we're we're I don't want to be libelous about it, uh, but because um, yeah, there is nothing, they're just giving off weird energy. Is all, is all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but they've written this book. Uh, and I have here the sequel, uh, as I, I should point out. It's, yeah. There's the big damn book of, of manliness, of sheer manliness. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that's the one I have. But there is that sequel, um, the bigger, uh, the big dammer book of sheerer manliness or something like that. Great. Uh, I have the book that they're mentioning here, and I can go through the entire contents, and I thought we should, we should skim this a little bit. Yes. And the way that I want to do it is I have the, I have the table of contents open. And I have the the categories that we can cover. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you want to know about men? Uh, um, and I'll do. You want, I'll give you the categories. And you tell me where you want me to go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's do uh, it. We have the national anthem. Um, the national manthem, which is <laughs> nice one. Uh, that was a callback to the episode. Yeah. The nice. It is just the star single spangled banner. Here are the categories: sport. Not sports, sport. Great. Chow. Makers of men stuff. Movies. Go, man, go. Man's best friend. Games of chance. Fish. Refreshment. The art of screwing off. Guns. Naughty bits. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Which of those tantalizing categories do you want to explore deeper? I mean, well, I mean, uh, (laughs) let's let's do, I'm most interested in movies, even though probably listeners want us to talk about screwing off. (laughs) Okay. Uh, That is on page 68. Here we go. Um, Talks a lot about John Ford movies, westerns. Great. uh, Talking about all of their... (laughs) uh the cast um you've got harry carey senior john wayne uh ward bond harry carey jr did i say that harry carey senior and harry carey jr victor mclaglin ben johnson um talks about the grapes of wrath he talks about uh different things okay oh we do have a whole spread here on spartacus okay a spreadicus 
lots of speaking of Spreticus, there's lots of loincloths and lots of dynamic poses in loincloths. Great, good to hear. Uh, also, Spartacus, a very homoerotic uh, man's film. If uh, that's almost text, so I'm not trying to read too deeply into that. I, I I can't I can't say I'm surprised. Yeah. Um, okay. Here are a few they they've list. Uh, the Quiet Man. That's another Ford film. Uh, Apocalypse Now. Braveheart. The Godfathers. Ben Hur. Bridge on the River Kwai. McClintock mm. has an exclamation point. Okay. Uh, the Road Warrior. Mad Max Two. <laughs> Those magnificent men in their flying machines. Great. It has men in the title. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Adventures of Robin Hood. An unintentional homoerotic movie. Um, Flight of the Phoenix, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Captain's Courageous, SOB. SOB, is that the one where Judy or Julie Andrews shows her boobs? I, do, I did not know that was a movie that was out there. I think that's a Blake Edwards movie. Um, she wore a yellow ribbon, Mark of Zorro. I mean, are any of these interesting or what you would expect to see on the the movie or on the on home improvement as as references i i mean i mean they are they are movies that that guys who were middle-aged in the late 90s probably saw as teenage boys <laughs> yeah. and developed connections to i don't think here's one flight of the, the phoenix this is muir I, I okay i've never heard of that i don't think of flight of the phoenix as a traditionally masculine movie it's just a like yeah, we crashed our, our plane and we built a new plane. Like, I guess I can see why a Tim Allen-y type would like that, but it doesn't it doesn't seem to hit on the same level as, like, Die Hard or something. Yeah, agreed. Um, okay, well, let's wrap up film with this, which is uh, film categories. They have listed the, the men categories of film. Great. Uh, boxing. Great. Cool. Golf. Cool. Okay, good. Track. Mm-hmm. Hockey, football, rugby, mm. baseball, mm-hmm. basketball, okay. racing, bullfighting. Do you sense a a, a, a theme here? Yeah, yeah, uh, mountain yeah. climbing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Seems all seems flying, very sporty. Fishing. Yeah, okay, hunting, cool. dogs, mm-hmm. horses, poker. Okay. Uh, oddly enough, under poker. Oh yeah, they do list this thing. Okay. Uh, craps, pool, barroom brawl. Fight scene, one-on-one. Okay. Sea battle. Wow. Swordplay, prison. Uh, Those are two different categories. (laughs) Submarine. And uh, best Sarge, which I think is a subcategory of war movie. Yeah. Uh, Dead guy movies. Death guy movies. uh, And the greatest bad guy movies. Okay. Okay. I mean, uh, they, they, they seem to have, they, they have uh, almost kind of an obsessive compulsive, uh, rain man esque style of list making going on here. Yeah. Do you want me to go into other categories or there's, there's kind of a manifesto at the beginning of this book called what guys know a bombastic manifesto. They call it themselves. Yeah. Let's do the manifesto. Okay. And then we'll call it there. Yeah. Um, what guys know about life. Life is, too short. Oh, God. Start counting your blessings right now because every dawn on this greatest of all possible worlds is a gift. Mm. Life is particularly too short for dogs. Hmm. If there was ever a clear error made by God, evolution, or whatever you choose to call the great determinant, okay, uh, it was the lifespan of dogs. Oh, not There's bad so far. No logical reason for dogs living as short as they do. Okay. The promise of genetic engineering could rectify this problem in a few years. Let's get on it. Man's best friend in a heartbeat. 
what guys know about lives? Lives are apportioned uh, to one uh, one a customer. No dress rehearsals, no return engagements. Own up, play ball, and bring hell down on those who don't. Who don't, period. Okay. All right. I'm good at reading. Yeah. <laughs> uh, blah, 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 blah. What guys know about God? All right. There is a God. Oh, Absolutely no. Absolutely no question about no, it. No, 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 no. Get ready. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat that. What guys know about God? There is a God. Absolutely no question about it. Beers, breasts, and bass are proof enough. <sighs> and, but besides that... We've come a long way to understanding evolution, chemistry, and the formation of celestial bodies. But the Big Bang Theory, right or wrong, doesn't just cut the mustard when it comes to explaining the existence of existence. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. What we, what guys know about little green men? This oh, is the last one. Okay. We are not alone. Any objective review of the facts leads to this conclusion. Regardless of the debate over the existence of life on Mars... The bottom line remain uh, remains that initially scientists were surprised to find uh, to not find any uh, life on Mars. Blah, ah. blah 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 blah. Okay, this seems. Oh God, there's a whole bunch more. Oh, what, what guys know about Mars? What guys know about women? E. Uh, what guys know about giving birth? Nothing. Yeah, uh, that sounds about right. What, what guys know about fighting? What guys know about driving? What guys know about politics? Yeesh. You don't want to uh, go there. What guys know about family? What guys know about fear? I just dropped Chewbacca on the ground. Uh, I mean, is that is that is that a euphemism for something, or is that just what what guys know about Chewbacca? <laughs> what guys know about fear? The black dog is waiting, but winning, uh, whining never solved anything except separate, uh, except to separate the men from the boys. Cool, cool. Okay, <laughs> great. This is all stuff that's so, worth spending money to find out. I needed to know all of these. All of these are real pearls I, of wisdom. This is a free podcast. I got this as a free rental on the Internet Archive. So no money except the the precious commodity of time that we spend our lives covering it. Yeah, well, that's that's good. You know, I'm glad that we've spent some of that some of that commodity uh, on on these dudes who wrote this one book and then vanished from society entirely. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and call uh the satire part of this in italicized uh air quote underlined emphasis i i i think i i just i i don't know i just wonder like did they write this book and then they just got assumed into dude heaven or something like god was like <laughs> nice bro nice and they just uh, a beam of light absorbed them upwards yeah. I don't know if you know this, but it's it's illegal in most states that if you have a man cave, you you must have a picture of these two dudes above the the threshold. Otherwise, you can be thrown in jail. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You also must have two copies of this book, one for you and one for your bro, so that if the if the satellite goes <laughs> right. out, you can each open the book and not have to have a real conversation. <laughs> exactly. Um. Cool. So that was that was the Von Hoffman twins. They're twins. They're not twins. They're brothers. They're, yeah. Well, hey, you know what? Oh. Teach the controversy. Maybe they're father and son. <laughs> that would be something else. Yeah. All right, Truman. Uh, I think that leaves us with a lingering question. Yes. Which is. Uh? Yep. There you go. Uh? Yep. That. Uh? Uh, uh, yeah, you built it. You, you, you built a deck today. Yeah. How many grunts? <laughs> uh, how, how many grunts do you think there were? Zero. Uh, incorrect. There were three grunts. What? Yeah, when Tim is... Uh, when they are... Tim Allen had full 
fucking control over how many grunts there were in this episode. Yep. I, I know there uh, he 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 truly did and I think he wanted to do three because that's the number when they when they're uh, talking about the chili and the meat that goes in it they say oh. you you like meat don't you Tim and he goes oh yeah oh, oh. yeah and he between talking and grunting I watched it like eight times he does three oh grunts. yeah oh, oh something like hmm. that yes okay all right all right yeah uh, uh so yeah so that's yeah that's that's our grunt count man three three huh. ha ha. Ha! Who knew? Interesting. Three grunts. Fa- who knew? A fascinating number of grunts to have. Well, technically you did. I didn't. Well, okay. I, that's we true. That. Much, much as we as also- As come out, we all know. No. As we all knew that uh, Dr. Hanover was there the entire time. <laughs> Truman, what did we learn from this episode? Uh, we learned to not ever give your son consent to just film a documentary around the house. Don't do it. What did you learn? <laughs> um... Well, uh, I don't know what I've learned yet, but I, I've gotten a new new uh, new pathway to explore um, to see what what the Danes have to offer. Mm, yes, yeah. So exactly. I'll let you know what I learned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe maybe forward some of it to me. You know, if any of it's good. <laughs> I, I don't want to make that determination for you. Yeah, you actually, no. Yeah, every fingertips and computer to go look at. The, you know, that's probably in the the manliness book. Is that no no man can judge for another man what what good uh, what good porn is. Um, let's get out of here. Yes, let's before we before we say anything else. Two and a half hours. You could have. You could. You can help us. You could have watched the movie Heat in this time. You can help us make long ass episodes like this as we are on our way, just shuffling out the door, doing the Midwest goodbye where you where you say goodbye 16 times before you leave or hang up the phone. Uh, And if you want to do that, you can become an official Gruntheads sponsor over at Patreon.com slash GruntWorkPod, where you can help us bridge the gap between this show and our next project, which we will be announcing before the end of the show's over. So you have that to look forward to. Uh, and you get access to our entire Grunt Work Nights episodes, which we've mentioned a lot in this one. So if you're interested, for only $1 per month, you can get access to over 200 episodes of our, our supplemental podcast over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Yes. Leave us a rating or review, or be like Laren and uh, leave a comment on 90s retro nostalgia Instagram posts and let people know that we exist. <laughs> that's that's the realness right there. That's 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 real fandom. Thank you, Laren. <laughs> really appreciated that. Um, uh, but leaving us a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcasts really help people find the show, uh, boosts our, our placements in the rankings. So uh, please go ahead and do that. Uh, stop by to say hi to us and watch my my deck progress over at Instagram, uh, which is GruntworkPod, uh, or visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com. Um where you can find today's episode and more information on it, as well as all of our episodes uh, soon. Our, I realize our bonus episodes aren't up, and someone recently reached out and said, hey, I started binging your entire show, and oh, I'm God. like, oh, you probably have a few holes in your oh yeah. in your knowledge if you have no bonus episodes and no super spectacular. Oh, God, yeah, I know. There's a lot of inside jokes that you're missing out on. So I will get those posted soon. Um, and I guess until next week when we bring you 20... We bring you 22 episodes. We're going to do 22 episodes. You think this episode was long. You just wait. (laughs) We bring you episode... I think it's even 23. It's not even 22, is it? Oh, I'm so fucked off. Yeah. Yeah, you are pretty fucked off. So so fucked off is what I said. 
Episode 23 of Home Improvement Season 8. I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, always ask to see a rough cut of the final film before you sign an appearance release. Thank you.